For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And if you don't believe me, The Independent is carrying a story today about barbecues and DIY weather on the way, with the mercury likely to top 20 at some stage this week and even into the weekend ahead. So the papers have it as well. It's all to do with high-pressure system dominating over the coming week, bringing lots of dry, settled conditions. And you will find, I have a barbecue to give away this week, actually. It's a two-grand barbecue. It's the, it's like the, the, the Rolls-Royce of barbecues. But certainly people will be getting out in the garden, doing a bit of gardening. This is the kind of weather now when everybody rushes uh, to the gardening centres and gets their potted plants organised and their shrubs organised and the barbecue and the charcoal and whatever you have in yourself. So it's a lovely story making the end of today. Barbecue and DIY weather. Uh, actually, you know, you're talking about food that we eat. There's a very, very powerful story makes the front of the mail today. It talks about the nutrition crisis um, that we have in this country. And much of it, they say, has to do with the fact that we grow so few vegetables. Uh, I, I think it's a powerful story, actually, when you look at the amount of things that we actually import into this country. 85% of our fruit and vegetables are imported uh, as farmers here quit uh, fruit and vegetable growing in their droves. Many of them have moved to dairy, of course, or whatever you, uh, maybe beef and things like that. But the Mail this morning says the 65,000 tonnes of apples, 38,500 tonnes of onions, 25,000 tonnes of cabbage, and 20,000 tonnes of carrots, and 75,000 tonnes of spuds are imported into Ireland every year. All of those... All of those could be grown here in Ireland. Uh, it's the front page and inside page story in the mail today. And the talk with the Cork-based nutritionist Mary Carmody, she says, we're being told that it is best to follow our ancestral diets that are homegrown, or at least they used to be homegrown, but not anymore. So everything is just being imported. Uh, and many, many years ago, of course, uh, it was homegrown. Um, I, I think... It, would it be right in saying that the new spuds are a bit late this year? But when you when you talk about things that are being imported that we used to do here ourselves, like uh, wood or peat and briquettes and things like that, all of that's being imported as well. And I was reminded of this the weekend when I came across across a clip uh, from Mikey Lily Ray um, having a having a go at the greens. Uh, have a listen to this. Peat is coming from Latvia, briquettes are coming from Germany, and the mulch is coming from Brazil. So they're cutting down rainforests, mulching it up, transporting it up here. We're using that. We're losing all the jobs ourselves. And then, if you'll if get your ultimate aim of reducing the national herd, then, of course, what will happen? We'll import the, the, the beef then from Brazil as well. So you'll make bigger farmers and bigger ranchers out of them and shut us down. So that's crazy. So one story there backs up the other when it talks about the when he talks about the peat and the wood chip and the briquettes uh, and on the other hand then all of the fruit and vegetables that are being imported uh, from overseas why aren't we growing anymore uh, why do, how did that change uh, and also uh, on top of all of that as well you've got even more frozen vegetables in supermarkets never mind the fresh stuff tomatoes is another one actually uh, that we're importing on a huge basis when you think we'd be growing everything we need 
on the island of Ireland. There's a story in this morning's mail also that talks about uh, a demand for other things that people eat that we didn't do before. A lot of it's to do with people going on holidays overseas. Uh, more of it is to do with uh, a lot more people living in Ireland from overseas. Uh, but it seems as if uh, chicken feet, a delicacy in Asian countries, is soaring in popularity in Ireland. Um, sometimes it's for stock. Uh, others deep fry them and, and things like that. But liver is on the increase. Heart is on the increase. And kidneys. A little bit early to be talking about those possible body parts with regards to eating. Uh, I'm a big fan of liver myself. I don't know. I think I would draw the line on the chicken's foot, though. <laughs> it's not great. Have you done it? Yeah, I have. What's it taste like? Uh, it tastes like chicken's foot. <laughs> if it doesn't taste like potato cheese and like onion, gristle. no? No, <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> No, what are those things? A monster munch, isn't it? Those are the things that yeah. are meanies during the shape you of the claws. Do you fry them or what do you do? Them? Yeah, I, we got them. Um, we were actually in um, a place called Penang, which is uh, like an island off the coast of Malaysia, but it's like a very, very Chinese island. Huge amount of Chinese expat community. And we went there to get a Chinese visa while we were in Malaysia. Um, but we ended up staying for a while and we st- we went to this restaurant and they had dim sum. So we said, oh, we'd, we'll try different things. We were feeling, you know, you know, when you, you have those nights where you go to a restaurant, you're kind yeah, of feeling a bit adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, you're kind of thinking, yeah, go for it. Got the chicken's feet anyway, and out they came. And herself <laughs> was just like, no, straight away. Couldn't do it. No, nah, and you want to touch it. So I said, look, I'll take one for the team. I'll try it. And, and one of the worst things I've ever eaten. Uh, Horrendous altogether. I think it was snails? deep fries. I've never had snails. What about I, frog's legs? Never had um, Beautiful. frog's legs either, no. Yeah. You think, you it's a bit think, like chicken. Yeah, I, I think the snails is a bit... I mean, snails they do eat. I don't really think they actually eat frog's legs in, in France that much, though, do they? No, is that kind can, of a thing? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You, you can, but it's very touristy. Like, I know in, I know in, in, in French supermarkets they will sell like these huge plastic packets like they're almost like vacuum packed packets of escargot all lined up as if they're like shrimps you know the way you can oh, shrimps I think in the it's nice with garlic packets. and with uh, never had oil. it but we have to, we'll have to get a chef in now to make us a couple yeah, of let's French see if people. let's get some people if we can uh, who are listening to give us an idea as to the kind of weirder or wackier things that they've tasted and eat and ate in the past when you go overseas of course like Kevin is saying you end up doing things like that trying the food uh, of the native country that you're staying in uh, what are the more peculiar things that you've eaten text 0868104106 a lot of it actually with regards to chicken feet and offal has also been driven by TikTok influencers apparently uh, but there was a TikTok influencer who got into a bit of trouble this is an online story her name is Kylene Sutner she's a 21 year old she came out later and said it was just a joke that her son actually her newborn baby actually had jaundice I mention it because she's left people astounded because she claimed that she was fake tanning her baby boy to maintain his golden glow. I mean, it leads you to actually think seriously about the things that people will share and say in a social media setting just to gain clicks and likes. But in the real world, this morning, The Independent is talking about struggling families in line for a tax break worth €1,000. It's still far short of people what they need, and particularly now uh, when in the UK they are saying that energy prices are going to plummet across the summer because Putin's war on energy, if you know what I mean by that, has not succeeded. Uh, The cynic in me says, yeah, they may well drop in the UK, but I doubt if they'll drop here. Um, And then uh, Ken O'Flynn, the councillor, is the story in the Echo this morning, because this is is communion season, isn't it, lads? It's communion season and parents desperate to kid out their children for First Holy Communion are saying that in cases uh, where there's hardship, they have to turn 
Um, okay, they're going to the credit union for loans, but they're also, according to Ken O'Flynn, going to loan sharks for money to buy. A communion can be expensive because you're looking at expensive suits and expensive dresses, and you're also looking at a lot of parties that add up to a fairly substantial amount of money. In fact, there was research out saying that the average cost of First Holy Communion, with some parents reportedly spending upwards of €3,000. Why would you spend €3,000 on a communion? I mean, how can it get to that amount? Like, what's actually being bought that brings the final bill in to three grand? Please share with me, because I'd love to know. Text 0868104106. And in the world of online, of course, as I mentioned, it can be a very nasty and horrible place. And Christy Dignam's daughter is making this morning's mirror, uh, slamming those who came out at the weekend and said that her dad had passed away. All you need is one idiot to start it, and before you know it, loads more than jump on the bandwagon. It is just beyond cruel uh, that a daughter would have to come out and say, that, you know, Catherine would have to go and say, my dad isn't dead. Stop posting that my dad has passed away. It's not true. It's actually very, very cruel. Papers also this morning talk of tragedies, and uh, this is very sad, although I don't know much about the story of Rebecca and how she actually died, but uh, I know she was apparently struck by a Garda car in County Donegal yesterday. She was coming back from a night out, apparently, and it's the front page making all of the, the red tops today when she was struck by the Garda car. It's a big investigation into that, and there's a poor lad then also up the west in Clare Morris in County Mayo, a 13-year-old who's also died. He died in hospital uh, after a tractor he was driving was overturned. Now, some will say, what was a 13-year-old driving a tractor in the first place? But, um, you know, this isn't the time for that. It's just a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, this happened around 8.15 on Saturday night after the tractor crashed and he was allegedly at the wheel of it. And then uh, you look at the amount of horses that have died on Irish racetracks in the past 10 years. There is now an actual figure with regards to the amount of horses um, that would have died um, on Irish tracks in the past 10 years. And that figure is 1,060. Um, and that's why there are more calls now that all jumping um, should now be banned in horse racing, that it should just be on the flat with no jumps whatsoever. Big changes politically within Fianna Fáil. Uh, I was reading at the weekend, uh, one of the stories at the weekend, I think it might have been in the Mail on Sunday, was saying that Michael McGrath now takes absolutely no interest or takes absolutely uh, no advice or direction from Michal Martin anymore. Because Michael McGrath is actually the kingpin now within Fianna Fáil. He's, he's the big dog in town, apparently, within Fianna Fáil and will be the next leader of the Fianna Fáil party. Um, and that's a story that's picked up by John Drennan in today's mail. His headline actually describes McGrath as the big dog in Fianna Fáil. Elia Varadkar, again, another foot-and-mouth moment for him when he, he likened Sinn Féin's policies to politics for slow learners. In the world we live in now, and rightly so, you can't use remarks like slow learners anymore because it's a derogatory and insulting term to use. But yet he did in an Irish Examiner interview. He's standing over the comments, though, when he describes Sinn Féin's policies as politics for slow learners. I, I oft, often wonder, though, about, you know, certainly the popularity of Sinn Féin, biggest party uh, in the North, and, and also I think it's probably fair to say single-handedly the biggest political party on its own, here in Ireland and when they run for uh, south of the border I should say, when they run for the next general election, they probably will um, you know, throw a lot of uh, candidates at it and could well be 
the next uh, political party to lead Ireland. But what actually are the policies of Sinn Féin? They're very light and hazy uh, with actually, you know, they don't actually have to do anything or say a whole lot now because everybody else is making such a hames of it. But do you ever wonder as to exactly what it might be like and what their policies actually are? Because in spite of me trying to find out over the last couple of years, um, it's, it's, it's very light and shade. It's almost like politics light, if you like. Papers also talk, of course, about um, the worst kept secret of all, and that is Patrick Keelty, who will, um, you know, take over the uh, Late Late Show. And good luck to him. Um, he says that he's going to change his mobile phone number now because everybody's going to be looking for free tickets for the Late Late. But one of the interesting stories is the one in the Examiner today with regards to the fact that he will commute from the UK um, every weekend or whenever to come over and do the Late Late Show and then go back over to the UK again. London, I think. Um, he, he's living in London um, with the family or what have you. And the question is, is that doable? That you could have somebody presenting a Late Late Show and then going back to a, a, a different country. But there you have it nonetheless. And if you're a fan of Downton Abbey and you thought it was all over, it was a very weak and watery film there last year, wasn't it, of Downton? I wasn't impressed with it at all. But they're making another television series and they're rounding up Michelle Dockery and all of the big stars and this morning's UK Times is saying Downton Abbey will lord it again on television next year and that can't be a bad thing because that's a great show uh, or at least it was uh, in the uh, previous series and Beyonce as part of her world tour now she spent over 2,000 euro on Nando's takeout and there's a photograph of the receipt the Beyonce Nando receipt it came in as when you do the conversion over 2,070 euro. Now, she didn't eat at all, all of the Nando's, although I'm sure that she's a fan. It was for her entire team and crew, and it was a treat for the crew. (laughs) Obviously, then the Nando's branch decided to share it. You see that from time to time, don't you? The huge amounts of money that people actually spend when they go out and and, big superstars sometimes buy food for the entire restaurant. Uh, If you're interested in buying things, did you know that there were actually six? um, You know the cars in uh, Only Fools and Horses? They're known as the Reliant Regal, right? They're the three-wheelers. I never knew there were actually six of them used over the entire series of Only Fools and Horses from the 1980s. And yet another one... (laughs) is up for sale now. Classic car auctions are saying the next one will go over, will go under the hammer. Um, don't know how much it'll actually make, but it's got 97,000 miles on the clock and a top speed of 55 miles an hour, should you wish to buy it. And I, I did notice when I was away on holidays that Oliver Moran was talking about um, Glanmire installing age-friendly parking bays in Glanmire age-friendly parking bays for people aged 55 55 and over. (laughs) If you'd said 65 and I said it was still too young. But 55, what what do they think 55-year-olds are like now? Totally and utterly decrepit, incapable of walking 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 metres. The world has gone crazy and getting crazier every day. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. To the lines we go. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. As a buddy of mine was uh, telling me uh, at the weekend of an incident inside in town that actually happened on Thursday morning. You'll know Lena who is a regular contributor to this uh, radio programme. Lena is blind and has been from a very, very young age, but she is one of the most independent women, um, and she is one of the most positive women 
that I've ever met and I have met her and uh, she actually cooked, cooked in spite of her not being able to see she cooked me breakfast there a couple of years ago a cracking full Irish breakfast in a downtown restaurant did a damn good job but she was in town on Thursday morning on the Grand Parade with her guide dog um, and then uh, things went all wrong there was another dog there um, and you know without me telling the entire story in spite of the fact that Lena's very shook she joins me by phone Lena good morning Good morning, Neil. I'm lucky to be here, guy. You you are from what Ke- Seamus is telling. What happened? I was I came out of the English market and I went down the Grand Parade to go over Down Square, and this person came along with a dog. And I'll tell you, Neil, the dog was absolutely savage. I met dogs over the years, and while I was while I have dogs over forty years, and I met Rockwellers and all, and I never saw the likes of this. And she never controlled that dog art made any effort. She had no control over the dog at all, whatsoever. She left to come straight at me and it threw me down on my back and there was a, t- a table there and my head went under the table and bashed off a piece of um, wire and uh, bear under the table. And yeah, all. that would have been near, uh, my buddy was telling me that would have been around Bean and Leaf, the Grand yeah, Parade, all of Street Junction, yeah. But how and did you, like, how did you know something was wrong? How did, like, was it pain? She left, the, the dog was barking, barking savagely, and she never made one effort to pull it back or tell it stop or anything else, and the dog came straight to me and threw me down on my back. And under the table, my head went and I bashed my head under what was under the table. When the two, I'm telling you now, I got such a shock, I thought my hip was broke. I got such a, and she didn't even apologise for that. Or correct the dog or anything. She left it happen. And when the two men picked me up, I was only thankful that I was able to walk. I thought my hip was gone. Oh I really never got such a passion in my life. And she never came over to as much as apologize. What did she do, do you know? She just walked off with the dog? She, a, man, a, man, um, a man told me, he said, I'm after telling her now, he said, I, whether he caught her or had her, he said, I'm going to report this to the cruelty to animals, he said, because that dog is very, very dangerous. It's not fit to be on the streets at all. Did he tell you, because you couldn't see, but what kind of a dog was it? He said it was a small version of an Alsatian. A small version of an Alsatian on a very long lead On a or very long lead. She didn't correct the dog for one minute or pull it back or tell it to stop or anything. And but why would the dog go for you? Was it because of your guide dog? Or it must have been because... because no, it was obviously left to what it like, I think. It was never controlled. That dog was never controlled. And off she went then in her merry way, is it? No, the... People gathered around the course and they kept her there whether they put the cruelty to animals and took the dog. But I got such a shock and so glad I was able to walk how I got home, I'll never know. I had to come in and make a cup of tea and go up to bed. I couldn't do anything else. I was absolutely battered. So did you have to find your own way home then? I didn't, sure. Nobody offered to bring you home? No, no, I had to come home myself. With the dog and poor tracks, he was shaking with fright. Absolutely shaking. We came out of Massano yesterday morning and normally we'd go down Shandon Street and go in around town. She wouldn't go. She stopped at the traffic lights up there at the top of Shandon Street, crossed over. We went down as far as Centre and she wouldn't go any further. From and would you say to her, what's wrong with you, girl? Come on, I let's I said, on tracks? And she just looked at me and turned around and came up Cattle Market Street and back up home. She wouldn't go. 
I hope now she'll go down to Grand Parade again for me, because I have to get in such a fright to pour down. But so did you, though. I mean, would I you be? Yeah. I'm you... telling you now, I'm lucky to be here that I'm, if I was an older person with brittle bones, Neil, I'd be in a hospital now with a broken hip. You'd be in a hospital with a broken hip, I and God be, knows that, be. you know, there would be, like... I was very lucky that my bones must be made of steel or something. I've got such a passion. I never got a, such a fall in my life. A helpless fall back in me back and the, the table, my head went under it and I got a right passion there too. But it would have been totally obvious to this woman with the dog that you were blind. She, she did. She saw the dog, but you see, that was, I, no, don't get me wrong, but maybe she took an advantage to say, oh, she's blind, she won't be able to recognise me. She could be doing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but people did come to your aid. Oh, they did. They did. There was a crowd gathered round and two men picked me up. And um, I was thankful that I was able to walk. I thought my hip was gone. Oh. Uh, and she took, no, she took no control at all. And she never even came near me to apologise or anything. It's sad when society goes that way, isn't That's it? The way she went, no, she didn't even apologise. And how you, did you get checked out? How are you feeling? I'm still a bit shook, of course I am, like. But um, thank God in the blessed mother I'm able to walk. Yeah, That's yeah. all I'm thankful for. Yeah, because walking's so uh, important to you and to and Traxi and all I mean, the other I dogs. Have to be, I have to walk around, like. Yeah. I was very, very lucky now that I'm not out in the region or somewhere with a broken hip. Yeah. The dog came at me actually savage. Savage. And she done nothing to stop that. Nothing. Did the dog bite? He didn't bite me, but he threw me down on me back and threw me under the table, as I said, and bashed me head off of whatever was there. And for, for anybody to have that happen to him, it's awful. But it for is. somebody who has no sight, it's an awful lot worse. It's terrible. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, depending on the dog, and if the dog has such a fright, no, she mightn't go down to Grand Parade for me anymore. See? She wouldn't go, and she always does it. Whenever we come out to Mass, and I go to Mass every morning, not that it makes me any better than anybody else, but I do. And she goes straight down Shandon Street and we go in around town, down the mall, down by the city hall and down around. And she would not do that yesterday for me. And and I think, you know, something, maybe Traxi won't do it to protect you. Yeah, it could be that too. But she wouldn't do it yesterday and she loves the town. And can a dog like that now get help, you know, because she's obviously in shock or she's gone into she's protection in shock, mode. Lover, she is, the poor dog. But is there anyone that has the skills to be able to, you know, work with her and to coax her back to the way she was? I'd be able to do that myself because I'm, I've been you know, over 30 years with dogs now. And I met every breed of dog. I met a Rockweiler in Ireland. They're supposed to be the worst type. And I... I used to go up around Farnbury there and there was a dog there, a Rockweiler, and every time I'd go up, he'd be inside the gate and he'd throw the pawn shake hands with me. <laughs> you would? Yeah, yeah, they get a bit of a bad rep, don't they, the Rockweilers? Yeah, they don't, but no, he was a Rockweiler and he used to put the paws and shake hands with me every th- and lick me face and all. Oh. No, oh. and he was there, they're supposed to be the worst farmer dogs. I never, never came across the likes of that in my life. And she hadn't even the att- she hadn't even the goodness to come up and apologise for what happened, and left it happen. She didn't control the dog in any way. She just left it happen. Well, that's she awfully sad. She didn't pull it back. She didn't that's say awful. stop. Yeah. She didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just left it happen. Yeah, you don't know what happened afterwards with regards to uh, the onlookers, those that helped you. I got such a shock. 
I had to come home. You just got up, came home. I just got no, up I and know. came home. I know. I'm just thankful that I was able to walk. I know. Is there anything that you need? I mean, are you in pain? I, I tell you, no, I had Walter all day and my back was very sore. Very, very sore it was. The, the lower part of my back. But That'll I give had, you some pain relief, yeah, the Voltarol. I have Voltarol, and it did. It thanks me to God. It took away most of the soreness out of my back. But I couldn't stand up um, on Friday morning. I couldn't stand up. I know, I know, I know. I, I was supposed to be, and I fell back in again. Do you think she should be prosecuted for that? I think, well, she should be controlled. She should make, be, make the dog be controlled. She should be prosecuted because it's terrible. To, that could happen to another blind person as well as me, like. Yeah, it could happen to any elderly person or who anybody. mightn't be great on their could, feet either. It could happen to a very old person that would be feeble. I know, but to, to be attacked, to be blind and to be attacked by a dog like that. Yeah. Uh, and for I the mean, owner of the dog. Person, not, yeah. If she's left, get away with that. No, another blind person could come along and it could do the same thing. I know, her. I know, I know, I know. You see? All right, oh, girl. God, I was very. I, never I, was, forget it. I know. I was very upset when I heard the news of the weekend. Thanks very much. Neil, you're very good. All right. No, no yes, other news well. though, other than that though. Life is okay. You're you're hanging in I'm there. I'm okay. Thank God. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky that my, I'm telling you, my bones must be made of steel. You're, you're, but your entire body is and your mind is made of steel as well. You're a powerful woman. It must be because I'm telling you, you know, I never got such a, a passion in my life. I know. I know. And she never even put out her hand to control the dog or anything. You don't think I'm you need to be dog. checked out or anything, no? No, I feel I'm okay. Thank right. God. Okay. Yeah, okay. I got um, bashed and bruised. Yeah. Yeah, you know, bashed and bruised. I did. Like right. me head and all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> look Can't after be. look after yourself, will you? And we might catch I up will. over the summer and go for a bit of a walk or something like that. Okay, ta- Neil. Thanks very much, you're right, a gentleman. Lena. That's what you are. Take care of yourself. Thanks very much indeed. Hi to Traxi. Look after yourself. Cheers, Lena. Traxi, yeah, to sorry, I was worried about. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. I yeah, know, I know. She's up in bed now at the moment. She didn't even get up yet. But you might be able to coax her slowly but surely back to the way I she will, was. I'll be able to handle her because I, I'm over 40 years. But I'm over 40 years with dogs now and I never met the likes of that in my life. All right. And okay. she never even came over to apologise. I know, I know, I know. Let us yeah. know how you get on with Traxi and getting back on your scoves with the dog, all right? I will, I will deal. No all right, girl. At all. Take care for very much for right. Bye, Lena. Take care. Bye, bye. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. Text 0868104106. I want to chat with the uh, hairdresser Wayne Lloyd. He is, uh, I think, um, Ballady Hobman uh, by birth, perhaps. Maybe I'm taking a flyer on that. Wayne, good morning. Good morning. No, not by birth. Not by birth, but you call it not home. I do. I've, I've lived there for 16 years and I've got a business there and um, hopefully I'll still be able to call it home after this. Okay. So. What, what's got you so upset? <laughs> um, upset's the wrong reason, I get a wording, I guess. Uh, disappointed. I think um, the, the jazz festival, I, I love music. I'm a DJ. I've hosted festivals, you know, so it's not that. But there's 10,000 people, which it might seem great, coming through a tiny little village. Um, and I know the committee do a really good job and hats off to some of the pubs that like really worked hard and had good good um, uh, measures in place. But you can't have 10 What they don't see is people urinating on the, you know, my, my, my home, basically, my salon, or my, my family love above the salon. 
people having sex behind the salon. Um, the music goes on quite late, and, and they they don't see the the aftermath that the people on the street have to live okay. with. And I've had some quite negative messages, which is you know that's a bit upsetting. But I do believe. Like I used to love the jazz festival. I used to absolutely love it, but you know, if you've got that many people coming into a village and, and there's no toilets and the old people living in the village, that's just my point, really. It's just a little bit of a. I feel it's a lack of respect from, uh, and not necessarily good, good organising. I think, you know, if you're having a festival in the field, pay where you want, but if you're having a festival in the village, there has to be a model from a respect for the people that live in the village. I have a three-year-old grandnephew who's autistic, and it's it's painful for him with the noise and everything that goes on. But you know, okay. You said you got some pushback to what you posted online because you said ten thousand people descended on Ballady Hub for the jazz festival, an event I always supported, but will never again. The noise, underage drinking, drugs, and lack of respect for the local community was disappointing. No, it was disgusting, you say. We have a, an eclectic village that includes people of all ages, but they're no longer able to sleep or walk the streets at night. Um, what was the response to that then? You said you got a bit of a bashing. Hate mail saying, if you don't like it, move. It's a festival. <laughs> like, deal with it. You know, you're not even from here. Um, that kind of thing, which I think is a bit disappointing. Some people did put up intelligent posts, and you know, I respect that. I, you know, it's freedom of speech. I just, I just, uh, I, I don't go to um, to vent my feelings very often. But when I saw, like, I, I'm not going to name names, but people have moved out of the village that have lived in the village for long times because of the the noise in the village and. Um, you know, like my grandnephew, they're, they're moving out because they can't stand the noise anymore. Um, is this all of the time, or are you talking about the festival, which is an annual the festival, thing? The festival in general, but sometimes there's, there's, there's still a lot of noise in the street from, uh, you know, if, if there's late-night things going on. Years ago, the, with the Jazz Festival, the Garda would come out and, at the end of the night, make sure everyone left the town. But you know, you know something I mean? like sure like villages. How are villages going to survive if there's not a, a socialising aspect to them, or a jazz festival, or a trad festival? Not saying they shouldn't socialise. I'm saying the infrastructure has to be brought in to deal with that kind of volume. Yeah, yeah. Ten thousand seems a lot. Uh, are there different? How does it work? Different venues and pubs put on gigs. Is it? Yep, and there's uh, music on the street and things like that, and I love it. I love, you know, I'm not against the festival. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not a party pooper, but if, the, you know, you, you need portaloos, you need kind of uh, guard to support, do you know what I mean, at the end of the night, making sure people leave and it's not going on till five, six in the morning, which is what does happen. Yeah. And um, do you know what? I, like, people think that I'm kind of against the jazz festival. But I give money to it each year. But I, I just think, like, just on the, the, you know, like a public order thing, you're always going to get underage drink. And I know. And how young were they, incidentally? I'm just curious. Uh, like, I mean, it, it, I, I, I wouldn't like to comment on that, but. Um, you know, they're busting from other towns and villages and they bring their alcohol with them and things and, and, and that, you know, that seems to be acceptable. But um, I, just think it's, um, I just think it's a shame. It used to be a really lovely uh, festival and, 
now, I think, like, I mean, just just like urinating in the village and, it, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's just and the, the loudness of the music for the residents. I okay, just think okay. you said the noise, the underage drinking, you mentioned drugs, uh, you mentioned uh, sex in public. It, it, it kind of almost yeah, rings... We, it, we, we, we had, uh, we had a, not, uh, not necessarily this jazz festival, but uh, the one just before COVID... Um, two people were having sex outside my sister's bedroom window and she had to tell them to go away. Uh, do you know what I mean? So, and and the, the one before COVID, my, my friend's son got threatened with a knife on Ballydehard Bridge. So there's not always... I mean, I think the, the, community, the community that run it do a really good job, but it's not always... that They don't always see the things that... I wonder if, I wonder if much of this has to do I just wonder whether many of this has to do with covid frustration where people are just getting back into the whole summer vibe and festival I do, vibe I do think there's an element of that I really really do but I think we have to control it otherwise it's going to get out of hand It's a bit well, like it's a bit like what happened with the Kinsale Sevens that they managed to turn around you know that had kind of got a bit kind of messy over the years and all sorts of Correct. problems in Kinsale town itself, but they seem to have been able to fix that. And that's that's what I'm hoping that we can do. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, you're you're not even in Ireland. You're overseas at the moment, I think. Are you you're in Saint Tropez? I'm actually in the south of France on a cutting course with um, who I think is the world's best hairdresser, Jean Baptiste Mazella from Mazella and Partners. Um, so I'm here for a few days working. From one so beautiful, from one beautiful, yeah, from one beautiful town to another. I bet you're finding exactly. Saint Tropez pricey, though. Uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm working, so I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> uh, JB's cooking for me, and and we've got beautiful views, and uh, we're training, so you know that's great. Okay, I'd love to get the thoughts of other people from Ballady Harbour as to what they think about what you've had to say on the matter. People can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. But at least, at least, in fairness to you, you had the courage of your convictions to post your feelings, you know, in spite of the response. Well done. You know what, I think, I think um, a lot of people have taken it, the, uh, you know, uh, 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 the wrong way. Um, but then I can't help that. Um, I did post what I felt and I spent a lot of time thinking about whether to post it or not. But I, I do think, uh, you know, I believe, I believe in what I, I, you know, I posted, so... You stand over it. Okay, appreciate yeah. it. Look after yourself, Wayne. Appreciate you taking the call. Take Have care. a good one down Have in Centre Pay. That's Bye the hairdresser, now. Wayne Lloyd. He's got uh, hair salons in uh, Ballady Harp. I think he's got a second one also in Bandon, if I'm correct. Anyway, text 0868104106. And, you know, this is, you know, times are changing. Um, and I know that there were issues with regards to the Kinsale Sevens. And Judge James McNulty said, paraphrasing when he was saying, I'm not going to have any more of this carry on. Something needs to be done and people need to step up and take it more seriously. There was lots of signs there. I imagine there was probably an awful lot more guard of presence. But the one thing that was very significant is that the recent Kinsale Sevens had no serious issues at all and everybody seemed to have been much, much happier with the change. Uh, but when you hear of things like underage drinking, there's drugs everywhere now and there's all sorts of drugs. You know, cocaine is very, very, very freely available now uh, for people of all backgrounds and all ages. So you got the drink and you got the drugs and you got the noise and you got busloads of young people coming in, bringing their own drink 
and then nowhere to go to the toilets and bathrooms because they're not in pubs. Uh, anyway, beautiful village. Um, I'm wondering if there's other people down there agree or disagree. Uh, text 0868 Calls on the way after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just very quickly, an interesting text. I went to the Ballyhob Jazz Festival for a look. The village is too small for the big crowd. The traffic was brutal. Rich hippies all over the place. Yummy mummies, crusties, teenagers. It's been gentrified like everything has been in West Cork. Massive Land Rovers everywhere, high-end camper vans. It was a sight to behold. Fair enough, but don't you think that all of those that you've described also bring money into the village and they spend there? We hear all too often of businesses and villages all over Ireland closing. A lot of the time it's pubs and restaurants. How else are they going to stay open? Incidentally, I'm hearing that McCroom is absolutely buzzing since the bypass. More and more people are going into McCroom now. Uh, to shop where they probably would have thought twice about it before because of all of the traffic if you live in different villages or townlands around McCroom apparently since the bypass now more and more people are willing to go in and buy and socialise and shop have a bit of food do a bit of shopping than they did before because of it and McCroom apparently is just booming as a result back to the story if you don't mind regarding Lena on Thursday on the Grand Parade awful thing happened to her and she is 100% blind and she was talking about a girl uh, who had had the dog um, that then went on to attack Lena. Damien, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? Uh, fair play for coming on the air. Uh, not an easy thing to do. It was it was actually your dog, was it? I'm actually devastated. I'm actually devastated here, you know, and I, I, I've been devastated. I, I've been in a bad way there over the last over the last couple of days with what, with what did happen, you know. But, yeah, and I just, I just, I just need to, you know, I'm, 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 feel, I'm sorry about that, what happened to that lady. Yeah. Okay, okay. In okay. whatever, because I, I, I was actually, what actually happened here was, me, myself and uh, that lady, who, who was calling on to the dog. That, that, yeah, I, I, that you're thing. absolutely right not to give me a name because I want to keep it um, anonymized yeah. because yeah. you know, I don't want yeah. to be attracting attention to people. But you weren't holding the dog, no. No, I was I wasn't holding the dog. What actually happened to me was I, I actually went into the bean and leaf to get get a cup of coffee and a and a latte, you know. And it's a it's a case of like when you, when when I go out for a cup of coffee I, I give old Belle there, I give her an old chubo and there or an old something there just to keep her quiet. She's a barker, you know. I heard it was a pig's ear, was it? Uh, yeah, a pig's ear. Right. right. That's that's what I give her, you okay. know. What it's kind of a dog is Belle? She's an old she's an old English bulldog. Okay. 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 She 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 she's an old she's an old English bulldog. She she she's a small she's a, she's she's a small dog. Okay. You know? So you were with this other lady, the two of you, with Belle the dog. You went in to get yeah. a couple of takeout I, I, coffees. I, I went in to get a couple of takeout coffees. Yeah. And what happened what actually happened was what I, uh, I I was actually looking out the window and as that lady was passing yeah, uh, Bell just ran underneath the canopy. I suppose when Bell see the, the other dog that that was coming, Do you know, and she just ran out at the other dog, you know. Yeah. And within, within the jigs and the reeds, uh, the poor old lady, she fell. You know, I, I came straight out. I picked the lady up. I was actually rubbing the lady's head. Lena. Do you know, back of her Nina's head. Yeah. I uh, and uh, the other lady who had Bell at the time. 
You know, she she was just she was just in shock. Shock. You know. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. she 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 just got a fright. You know. So she got um, she got such a fright that she froze. Oh, she froze. saw an elderly. She probably saw an elderly blind lady yeah. injured yeah. on the ground, having hit her head and back off the the metal furniture. That's, that's what happened. You know, that's what happened. You know, Bill, it's the dog. It's the dog that she went for. I'm not making any. I'm not. I'm not making any excuses or anything like that. You know, I offer, I offered to take. I offered to take the lady home. You know, after after picking her up, I, she was telling me that she banged her head. I was rubbing the back of her head and things like that. You know, but um, I actually got on to Connor. I actually got on there to Connor Gould the vet. You know, I, I was I was in shock myself. I was so angry. You know, and I actually I I actually got on to Connor Gould to put her to sleep. You know, to put Belle to sleep. To put her to sleep. Yeah. Did you? Because of what? Because of what happened? You know. <laughs> No, and is I, that going I, to ha- is that going to happen, Damien? Well, Neil, I I'm after you know I I I'm still contemplating it, you know. I I actually I actually am. I'm so I, I I'm still contemplating it because of because of what happened with the old lady and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you aware that she had a guide dog with her and was blind? Oh uh, sure, I didn't. I did sure that even at the time, Ali, Ali, she was the woman that was. She, she was just, she was just passing. She was just passing, you know. Has Ben uh, ever done I, anything I, like that before? Uh, well, she, if she see a motorbike now or something like that, she'd be back and ah, No, it's for all dogs do that. I mean, she's never she, gone for anybody before. You know, she, uh, she was mad for the motorbikes, but uh, I, 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 I'm going to tell you something here now. Do you know, whatever that lady needs. Whatever she thinks, I, I will look after her, you know? I will. She's shocked. I, I am after the stroke. I had a clap in the brain. I had a clap in the right-hand side of my brain, you know? I, I had a stroke back in June. <sighs> Must be hard. And only for, only, only for that dog, only for Belle here, you know? Belle got me back. Belle got me back on my feet, Neil. You must be in an awful state of indecision as to what to do next. I am. I, I actually am me. I, 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 actually, I actually am, you know. But that dog, like, you know, a dog is a dog. And did you say, so, did you say sorry? Did you say sorry to Lena, Damien? I did. I, I, sorry, I was there with her and I rubbed the back of her head and everything, Neil, you know. I was rubbing the back of her head, and I said, "I said it wasn't Was she okay?" I actually, yeah, I, I was actually the one that, that stood behind her to pick her up. I know you did, in fact. But did you tell her it was your dog? I did. Neil, between the jigs and the rays and the shock of it and the thing and the whole lot. I, I know, you know, I know, I know. She she made her own way home. I, I'm, I'm imagining that was her own decision, just to make. She's a tough bit of stuff. She is. Yeah. Well, you'd have to be. You'd have to be. I often, I often see her. I often see her inside and town on the dogs. The other be back and then everything and the whole lot. You know. You sound very, very upset about the incident. I am. I am. I'm devastated. I am absolutely fucking devastated over this man. I am. Like you know, like because. This dog here, she got me on my feet. She got me back on my feet and everything, Neil, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is, 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 is Belle, somebody is saying that, that if, if the dog is too hard to handle or to, do you know, somebody said uh, the man whose dog attacked the woman clearly wasn't able to handle the dog. Um, it's a responsibility to be able to handle it. Is the dog too powerful? 
Yeah, well, it was like she was she was she was too strong. She was too strong for catching on the deer. What I why I I take full responsibility. I what know I, what you I, do. What I, I, know. I should have done that day was, you know, she, she that girl should have went in and got the coffees and I, I uh, me outside. You know. You know what hindsight is like. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, you can never look back. I think it. I think it's very kind of you to come on air like you have done. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Uh, I, I would I would think twice though about putting um, Bell down to be honest with you if it were me yeah well I know that Neil I do I, I know that uh, like this only for the start getting me back on my feet and uh, getting me back out there and stuff and, uh, and things like that and, and I think that's one of the reasons why I say that because Bell was such a part of your recovery but probably yeah. but probably you know um a, short, a shorter lead you know you just all, all I'm saying is nobody would want this to happen again. No, she, she's, she's, she's on a short lead. She, she's on a short, I keep her on a short lead all the time. She's, she's, she's always on a short lead. It would break your heart, though, that, if you put her down, I'd say. Yeah. But look, it's, look, it's, it's, what, it's what happened to the lady that day, Neil, you know? I know. I can hear it I in your voice. When, when I see that lady, and when I see that lady, you know, that, Jesus, to be rubbing that, the back of that lady's head and things like that. Yeah. You know? Hold on there a second, in fairness to you, Damien, and thank you for coming in. Just hold on one sec. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm, ju- I'm just listening to that story there, you know. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking, and I, can, I, 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 forget, I forget the gentleman's name. The gentleman's name is Damien. Damien. Yeah. Damien, can you hear me? I Damien, what This ha- me. I'm a dog lover. I'm a and dog lover. I'm, yes. And what happened there, Damien, was one dog came into another dog's pet. That's the only thing that happened there. And it is instinct to defend. Yeah, you, you, well, she does. She's, she's good at that. <laughs> well, well, Damien, you know, that was instinct. And, you, you know, by, I, I, I'm just listening to you, and I'd say she's like your life and soul. And there she uh, is. I, well, yeah, but well, hold on a second now, Jim. Uh, this is an elderly blind lady who's been badly woman. hurt, yeah. and her dog, her guide dog now, is traumatized and shocked. Of course, of course, and it, you know, it was nothing but an accident, and and I can, I can, I don't know the, the lady in question. I wish her well, yeah. and but I, I do not think that that woman would want Damien to put down his dog. Well, I've called her back there, but I'd say she's gone back to bed. I think she's just turned her okay. phone off and gone okay. for another lie down. I don't know whether she'll get but, to hear any of this. But it's... I, I, I know... Either, you know because it, You're it, not making excuses, in fairness to you. What did, happen, what did happen to the lady? You know, that, that was a horrible thing that happened to her, you know? I know, I know, Damien, Damien... She got caught up in the middle of the... And you feel there. responsible, and, and rightly so. So, I am responsible for it. It's my responsibility, Neil. It was my dog, and it was it was my stupidity, you know. Damien, Damien left that dog with that lady, you know. Damien, Damien, because she she's a strong little dog, you know. All right, okay. Go on, Jim. Look, I'm going to pack it for now. Go look, on. yeah, I'll, I'll I'll finish in two seconds. Damien, I can I can assure you, 
I can assure you that lady would not want you to put down that dog. It, it's instinct for dogs to defend. And it, just, it, it was just unlucky that it happened that one dog came into another dog's pet. I know you were going for coffee. Would you, and good man. Would you, give, her, would you give her a ring, Damien, and, and chat of with course, her? Of course, I will. All right, I'll sort that out for you, all right? I'll sort that out for you. Don't, do, don't make any rash decisions for now, Damien. Jesus God above, you know. All right. I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm, kind, I'm kind of blessed. I'm kind of blessed in a way that I didn't make that right decision. Right yes, decision yes, yeah, yeah. Give it a bit of and time. Don't. Give it a bit of time. And don't. And don't. Talk and don't. to Lena first before you decide to do anything like that, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks for now, Damien. You're very kind to come on air. Not an easy thing to do to put your hands up and say it was me, my responsibility, my bad. Um, I was on watch. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. It's Monday, the start of the week, and we have yet more Monday munchies for you again this week for you and your work crew to start the week on a high. So here's the dealio, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. We will be delivering uh, donuts to you and your work crew if you text or WhatsApp 086 8104 Tell us who you are and where you're working and why you, most importantly, why you and your colleagues deserve this Monday munchie treat. Uh, depending on how many are working with you, it could be up to five boxes of donuts. Like that's upwards of close on 60 donuts depending on how many of you are but you need to text or whatsapp 086 8104 where you're working and why do you and your colleagues deserve this Monday treat I was talking about weather related issues for the week ahead and the good weather and I was saying that you know it's kind of like when the weather improves of course everybody wants to get out and they want it to be you know dust down the barbecue and make sure they got gas and, you know, get a bit of potting and planting and stuff like that done. You should go to Carol's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Casa Marta and have a mooch around as to everything they have at Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe. Uh, I was down there a couple of years ago. They got an incredible, incredible business running down there. There's this, it's a family-owned business now, and it's all set uh, within this traditional 19th century walled garden. It's a spectacular place uh, to put a garden centre and cafe. But their range of barbecues are just awesome. And this week I'm giving away the Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue. This has a value where you to buy it of €1,900. Euro. You'd almost buy um, a, a fairly decent second-hand motor car for it. But as you can imagine, the kind of kit involved. If I'm right and I'm taking a flyer on this, I think it might have Bluetooth. <laughs> I think it might have a Wi-Fi capability, this barbecue, because some of them do. So we're giving that away right across, uh, well, this week. Uh, but right across the week on top of that, then, we have um, vouchers to give away. So each day this week, we've got 450 Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe vouchers every single day. And so four winners every day. And then on Friday, the Super Deluxe Weber Gas Grill barbecue to give away. And I'll tell you more about that throughout the course of the morning. Can I just mention, because we're talking about all things Cork this morning, there's a great gig on tomorrow night down at the Springs, down in the Silver Springs. And it's the uh, Joe Mac Show Band Show. It's tomorrow night at the Silver Springs at 8 o'clock. If you're a fan, and who isn't a fan uh, of Joe Mac, um, I actually think that when we were talking about the pedestrian bridge over the, the South Ring, 
we should have called it Joe Mac's Pedestrian Bridge, but that's just my own thoughts on it. But the show band show tomorrow night, the Joe Mac Band, is playing the Silver Springs Hotel, 8 o'clock tomorrow night, €25 a ticket. You can book it online or you can pay on the night. It'll be a great gig. And he is hale and hearty and absolutely flying and still doing the business. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Enough of me. Back to the phone lines. We go on a busy morning. Jim's on line two. Jim, good morning. My apologies. That line's actually changed now to, to Liam. Liam, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? You know, um, with regards to Bell, Bell, the old English bull yeah. terrier. Um, yeah. He, he's thinking of having that dog put down. Now, yeah. that dog is on the restricted dog breed in Ireland, so should be on a short leash with a muzzle. Okay, I understand that, Neil, but the dog doesn't understand that. Well, like, I don't think the dog understands what he's after doing for the man. And I think if they say, if, if Bell gets put on, it will destroy the man. I know. Why do you dogs? The- why? Okay, so not, you don't have to be a restricted dog to bark or to go for people. You know, no, I, well, I see lots of dogs doing it. And if they're on a lead, they tend to want to do it more. Why? Well, they see they're brave because they're on the lead. But if you took them off the lead, they'd probably run. I mean, I've got a dog at home called Freddy. And every time I walk him, he's only a small little chihuahua. It's a tiny dog. He thinks he's Mike Tyson. And he sees an alsatian, he wants to take him on. Do you know? But then the other dog barks. And then sometimes the other dog doesn't bark and all that. It's just in their nature, Neil. These things happen when you take out dogs for walks. Sometimes well, they're controllable. Here's what I see, without wanting to cut across you. I see dogs who are off the lead, right? And you could be walking, say, in the Mangala or up in the spectacular Mary Barrow Woods. Have you ever been up there? And, I have, yeah. yeah and there, lots of dogs are off the lead there. And there's never any issue when dogs are passing each other. But the minute you have dogs, I see, on leads, they tend to want to go for each other and bark. And it's, I don't know whether they want to play or they're aggressive. But when they're off the lead, they don't. Yeah, I know. I might seem like that one dog is kind of mad that he's not. He's on the lead, and the other dog is like, "Well, I'm on the lead, and you're, I'm off the lead, and you're not. Look at me. Look what you know. That kind of thing. I don't know, Neil. You know, but you know, like, look at me. You're all tied up. It's like you're married but, to the lead. I'm free. But, you when, know? You, but when you see them, I'm not talking about the restricted breeds, but all of the other dogs, be Labradors or Golden Retrievers or any yeah. kind of dog you like, and they're off the lead and they're playing with the other dogs. Yeah, but you see, I think an awful lot has to come down to the training, Neil, you know? So that's what I got on theology for. Look, if that, I, I, I would really be worried if anything, uh, if that dog is, if he decides to put down that dog, that, that man's life will deteriorate, deteriorate a lot quicker. That man is that, that dog is that man's life. He wakes up in the morning, the dog. He wakes up in the day, the dog. He takes the dog for a walk, whatever the dog. He is heartbroken too, isn't he? You can hear his heart. Yeah, he, and I can hear it. And I, I, I decide that I pull over. I'm driving up there, up the country. So, look, if, if he's willing to give the dog to a trainer and if he's willing how to muzzle the dog and, and put the dog on a leash and do all that kind of thing, I'll pay for that. No matter what it is, I'll pay for a Neil just as long as the dog gets trained because, I mean, the dog shouldn't suffer because of this. If the dog could be trained, Bill, and the man could train the dog and then he'd know how to be able to handle him when he goes out, I think that would be uh, some sort of a solution. But I don't think, I don't think putting down the... The dog, that's only going to make the dog's man's, the man's life worse. He can get another dog, but he'll always be thinking about Bell, you know, like, oh God, if I, maybe I should have given Bell. And like, give Bell another chance. Every dog deserves a chance, another chance, Neil, no? He didn't bite. He attacked, all right, but I mean, you know. You might be interested to know, because we checked there, Damien's dog, Bell, even though the dog is on the restricted dog's breed, is exempt from being muzzled because she has no teeth. 
aren't they? Oh, God. Okay. Well, I don't know. Look, Neil, I'll tell you what. Leave a go there. And look, whatever you want yeah. to do, if you want to get onto the man, if you want to I do see. that, I'm willing to pay for that. And if, 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 if it can help in any way, at least as some sort of an alternative, then going down the road to doing that. Because I do believe that man will be heartbroken if this happens. Because he'll always remember that he, that he decided to do it. And, you know... I don't know, you know, it's, it would just be concerning. All right, well, listen, for you're, me. you're All very right. kind, and if he, wishes, All right. if he wishes for that to happen, I'll put him in touch with the RIA. Will you please? Have That'd be great. I'll get in contact. Just get back in contact with let me know whatever it costs, I'll take care of it. Okay, right. Neil? appreciate it. Thanks as always. All Neil. right, Neil. All right, bye. Drive bye. safely. Bye. Look after yourself. Talking about driving, I was mentioning the bypass around McCroom, and apparently businesses are thriving as a consequence. Got a lovely text, says, I can confirm that as someone that lives in a village near McCroom, I'm going into McCroom more often than before since the bypass pass opened. I was lucky anyway because I knew the back roads in and out of town but I would have avoided the town for good chunks of the day because of the traffic in the town you were describing, especially by the square and the lack of general parking as well. But since the bypass opened, it's so much easier to pop in and out of McCroom now. Uh, I'm so inclined now to go in there more often because of it. There's plenty of parking in McCroom. Sometimes I might need to park close to a shop and it was impossible before, but now everything is a lot more accessible. My main complaint about McCroom is the nightlife. 15 to 20 plus years ago, it had a booming nightlife in McCroom. People would be out every weekend. There were two nightclubs and now there are none. And so many of the pubs are after closing. There are taxis. Uh, But for the most part, they have to be booked in advance, which is fine. But sometimes it's just easier not to bother to go into McCroom to socialise for a night out. We would just stick to the local rural pub or further afield for a proper night out, like, say, for instance, Killarney. So the downside to the changing lifestyle in McCroom is that less and less people are are socialising there. Nightclubs are gone, pubs are closing. But the upside, apparently, is that businesses are thriving. Because I would have been, if I had a business somewhere like that, I'd be really worried. I'd be saying, oh, my God, the traffic is going to go around us. Nobody's going to stop. But it would appear that the opposite has actually happened. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. I go down west along in a few seconds' time. I'll talk to Deb. So just hold on for a couple of seconds, Deb. I just mentioned actually uh, yesterday, for the very first time ever, I had never been there before. I went to Maryborough Woods. Now, for many people, of course, they go there all of the time and probably absolutely love it. I was blown away, firstly, by the size of it uh, and the availability of it to so many people to go walking in the woods. But it's, it's a colossal area. It's just huge and it is just beautiful. When you climb up to the top, because there's an incline up and then inclines down, you get the most fantastic views uh, looking north to the city and west along uh, down the Lee Valley and areas like that. And you can see all of the key points of the city from the top of Maryborough Woods. And in there as well, there seems to be, and I bet you there's somebody listening to me will be able to tell me a little bit more about it. There is this massive walled estate, right? One of the highest walls, ancient walls that I've ever come across. And inside it would appear to be to me like the ruins of an old, old stately home. Could have been a farm, lots of different buildings in there. Rack and ruin, a lot of them you can't get in because they're all closed up and what have you. But to look through the different gates in there, it looks astonishing, the scale of it. But if you haven't been there, I don't know what you're going to do with with regards to parking. It was very busy up that area yesterday because Gary Duff was rocking because you had hockey on and you had soccer on and you had tennis on and all sorts of stuff like that. 
But the place was just, I was there early, but as we were leaving, more and more people were coming in with their dogs or they were running or there were couples walking and stuff like that. It was just one of these glorious things. So check it out for yourself in Maryborough Woods if you haven't been there. Those that love it and like the quietness of it won't thank me for this, but what are you going to do? you got to kind of share the love. Anyway, let me head back down along West. Deb, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for holding. A little earlier this morning, we had Wayne Lloyd on the air uh, talking, and I'll get exactly what he had to say there on my screen again, but he was none too impressed with the jazz festival and those that it attracted to the village. He said, um, what did he say here? He says, the noise, the underage drinking, the drugs, the lack of respect from the local community, urinating in public, sex in public, it was disgusting. What do you make of that? You're a volunteer. I'm a volunteer on the uh, jazz festival. I volunteer for about five other um, community uh, um, organizations in the village. And I was patrolling all through the village and working as a steward. And I'll be honest with you, Neil, I didn't see anything that wasn't joyous and happy and a fantastic time had by so many people. The pubs were organised, the organisers had got all great entertainment. Yeah, there may have been a few high spirits, but kids are kids, but we we were so lucky that the kids wanted to come and enjoy the village. But were they, dr- but were not, they drunk, though, these underage kids? Uh, n- not that I saw. I was, uh, I was w- going through the village for most of the three days, as so many of us were, to check up to make sure if there was anything that anybody needed. I saw, I saw kids having a good time, but I didn't see drunk any more drunk than high-spirited. I didn't. And now, now the other things that were mentioned in that interview with regards to um, uh, drugs, I didn't see any of that either. The, the village closed down... It wound, it wound down at the way it would do by the time everybody had had a good time and the pubs finally closed. There were some broken glasses. I did see that. A lot of our pubs were changed over to plastic um, mugs. But there were so many people that I guess they went into their back supplies. Yeah. And that's why possibly the work. But by the morning, it was all gone. I mean, and we, and, and I know that the, uh, we were waiting to hear if there were problems because we've got a good problem-solving aspect of our committee. Okay. So that if we, if so that we can improve for next year. Okay. Was you know, there were the guardi on hand as well? Were Absolutely, the, yeah. the guardi were in the village. I worked with the guardi for most of Saturday and most of Sunday. We we had it covered. Now. I, I, I mean, obviously, some people didn't like the noise, don't want the festival. But we have so many festivals, Neil, in the village. We've got the Country Western Festival, but the Fastnet Festival. You know, we are geared up for it to make it really great. Oh, I know. And listen, d- don't, don't think for a moment that I don't understand the importance of events like this to rural communities. Oh, God, They're very so important. important. But, but After the last couple of years we've had, Neil, to get back into doing the music and and really having a good time and enjoying the beauty of Bally de Hob. The, the but can, a, can a village the size take 10,000 people on a weekend like that, the noise? The only issue I would think is parking. We had a lot of um, people who came in, in little camper vans and that they tented in the village. 
But I was, uh, I'm on the whole committee, so we were very um, concerned that everybody was safe down by the inlet, by the river, by our 12-arch bridge. And everywhere I went, and I know there were more of me than, I mean, we, we have a committee of 100 people. You know, I mean, and they wanted all to make it so good and so safe. Have people moved so out of, he says locals back. have moved out of the village and left. Neil, Neil, I know more people who have moved into this village than I have known of anybody leaving. Yes, but those that I are moving in, are they, gentr- are they gentrifying a village where the locals, generations of them, have had to leave? No, that's not, no, because the uh, the six people that I've spoken to in the last six weeks, they have joined committees, they want to participate in, in, in all the aspects, they're getting involved in biodiversity, they just want to become part of the community. No, there's no gentrification here. Honest to God, there isn't. Okay. There's a shortage of accommodation for young people because with, there's so much work here. You know, one of the reasons why people can't get accommodation in rural Ireland, they keep getting knocked back for planning permission. Yeah, For that's stupid, so bizarre that's reasons. True. Yeah, and, and there are places which could, but this, um, Neil, the cost of renovation for um, any kind of older building, that there are buildings that could be used There are, though, for, I understand but, that, but yeah, that others want to build their own house and yeah, their families have been there, their mothers that's and fathers, true. their grandparents. Exactly. And yet they're told, no, you can't, we don't want this, we want you to live in the village, we want you to live in cities. It's insane. It is, but I mean, mean, Neil, if you came down here and saw the amount of people, there's about 290 people who live in the village who are registered, and then there's probably around three to 400 in the outside of the village, and they all participate in the village. Okay, so the 290 living in Balladihab have no issue with the 10,000 that descend upon them for the jazz festival? Um, Well, now, that's a bit of a... I can't speak for everybody. And I know that there are some people who say, well, I like to go to the pub when it's quiet. Or I like to go to the restaurant when there's not bustling people. But when, I mean, it's just one weekend. Yeah, yeah. But we have all these little weekends which brighten up the place. Yes, I'm sure there's going to be a few people that say, oh, I could do without the noise and all the rest of it. But... This is the life of this incredible village. So what else have you got? You have the, you see, you have the jazz festival. Well, we've got, what's coming up now next in the two weeks is the Bally de Hob Country Western Music Festival. That's the June holiday weekend. And I tell you, the entertainment from all of Ireland is phenomenal. And then after that, it's the Fastnet Maritime Folk Festival. And then our great Barry, Barry O'Brien will have the Bally de Hob Summer festival, and that'll be in mid-August. You know what? Like, I mean, the villagers, the villagers will get no peace. I know. <laughs> well, you, but, but they're not—they're not on the same scale as the jazz festival. Right, okay. The jazz festival is—it brings in the young people, and we want to make the young people stay in Ireland and have fun. We don't want them to go anywhere. Wayne we said, "You need to take a good, hard look at the lack of community." And pray if we get it back, because otherwise I fear for the future of rural Ireland and Balladine. You know what? Yeah, exactly. Neil, in our village, the community spirit, if somebody has a problem, I can guarantee, I really will put my, my money on the table on this one. If somebody says, I need help, I know that the people of Ballydehob will rally round and be there 
within at least two hours. Okay, and I know the network is incredible. We, we built up this network, um, Neil, during COVID with Facebook, Twitter, so that we were all connected even though we couldn't see each other. And that, that network now, we have more you, volunteers than we know what to do But with. do you live in the village? I live in the village. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you can talk by virtue I, of the fact uh, yeah. that you are and in Ballady Hall. So, and I volunteer yeah. for every okay. Show, uh, festival. Okay, okay. Please come down. I hope everybody comes and sees us. All right, Country and Western Festival is the next one up. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, Text story right. 68104106. You talk about uh, rural communities are indeed trying. And that story there about McCroom, where socialising in McCroom, our texter was saying, uh, not so great anymore. Many pubs are closing. And for TP Cotters isn't closed, though. Please don't tell me. No, it's not. It's open and thriving. It's a great pub. Um, but, you know, they used to be couple of nightclubs there and what have you. Um, it gets you to think also about the, the cost of things, even the cost of socialising or, or, or going out these days. Got an interesting email in uh, recently from uh, Tommy over in Canada. He says, I listen to you every day in Canada. You were talking recently about the expense of everything in Ireland at the moment and how Ireland is a, a rip-off country. Yeah, I think we, we actually, Tommy, just to revisit that point, I think we get the gold medal if there was a, an Olympics for ripping off I think Ireland would get the gold. I don't. He, anyway, Tommy says, I don't know if it was the same uh, for you when you lived in Canada, but the health system here is amazing. Uh, don't get me wrong, they run out of hospital beds just like Ireland do uh, when things are really bad. And I'm sure it's not perfect, the system, all of the time. But my experience here with physiotherapy, chiro, massage, medication, drugs, all free. What I mean by free is when you work, most times your company will have health benefits. And you can avail of a certain amount of massage, physiotherapy and chirotherapy every year for absolutely free. Here are some more examples. I get inhalers for asthma and they are the steroid inhalers called Symbicort, which are usually around €100 Euro in Ireland per inhaler. Over here in Canada, they are free. Now, I couldn't go to the pharmacy and get 10 inhalers for free. I have to use them accordingly. And if I use too many in one one month, uh, then I'll run out and my benefits will max out before the year is up. Same goes for massage, physiotherapy and other therapies like that. There's only a certain amount you can have a year before you might have to pay, but there's no such thing as this in Ireland as free massage. Also, when I needed to get my inhalers in Ireland, it was €60 up front straight away for the doctor to write the prescription. Then I needed to go to the chemist and pay for the inhaler. Uh, over here, doctor's visits are free. I was at the doctor last week to inquire about an ultrasound for suspected hernia. I also needed cortisone shots in my shoulder. Doctor visit free. Ultrasound free. Steroid shot free. Don't get me wrong, there are certain places in Canada that are crazy expensive for rent, food, etc. Like Vancouver, Toronto, uh, Montreal. But I live in Calgary and it's very affordable. Although rent can go up and down sometimes, the price of a pint of Guinness in the Irish society here in Calgary is seven euro. So anybody thinking of coming to Canada, Calgary is perfect. Plus, we need more Cork people out here. It's all Tipperary and Nordies. I'm assuming that Nordies is a Canadian slang word for people from Northern Ireland. But thank you, Tommy. Uh, thanks for the email and thanks for listening. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. 
text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe are giving me this uh, super deluxe. Uh, it's almost two grand's worth of a Genesis gas grill barbecue to give away on Friday. Go check it out. They're down in Castle Martyr. They've got plants and playgrounds and picnics and they've got a fabulous cafe down there and wonderful, wonderful things for the garden and indeed uh, for socialising in the garden, everything that comes with it. All of the furniture, gar- barbecues and, and things like that. So we've got uh, four winners every day of a 50 euro gar- Carrewswood Garden Centre voucher. And then on Friday, the Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill. you got to listen to a famous person behind the barbecue every day and identify that famous person. You can't call just yet, but I'll play it a few times and open the phone lines then at uh, around about 10 minutes to midday today. All right, so have a listen to this famous person doing a bit of barbecuing. I love to cook, and I learned to cook from my mom and my grandmas and my aunts and my sisters. We all get together and compare recipes. Even I know who that is. I love to cook, and I learned to cook from my mom and my grandmas and my aunts and my sisters. We all get together and compare recipes. Okay, that famous person loves to barbecue uh, from the southern states, if I'm correct. Don't call just yet. I'll play it a couple of times between now and 10 to midday and open the phone lines then. Just staying on that topic regarding what Wayne Lloyd had to say about the village of Ballady Hob and issues regarding the various festivals down there. You can text if you are from that area. Bridie got in touch, actually. She's the postmaster in Ballady Hob. Bridie, good morning. Good morning. Are you aware of what he, are you aware of what he had to say? I am aware of what he had to say. I actually, I just read this piece on Facebook and, okay. and I was really upset by it. Okay. But he hardly made it up, though. Well, I'll tell you. You know, the Ballady Hub community is a very strong community. We're known far and wide for our community spirit here. Everything that ever runs here is run with a group of people. Uh, the number of people who give their time and... Uh, I know, I know, I know that it's not. I know that it's not an issue really with the volunteers. It's the th- he's talking about the ten thousand people that descended the, upon. First of all, there wasn't ten thousand people. There was quite a few people, but ten thousand is an exaggeration. Okay, so that's exaggerated. You know? What was it more likely to have been? I, I would say, if you, I'd say maybe half of that, oh, okay. and we would have been ver- we would have been very proud of that. I'd say, you okay, know, okay, okay, and I mean, parking definitely is, issue, is an issue. Um, the bars. Uh, there was bouncers on the front and the back doors of every pub in town. If there was underage drinking or anything happening, youngsters brought it in from other places. That's the problem, no, though, if they're coming in. No, you can't, you can't police it, but if it's attracting underage children who are bringing Not their own alcohol all. on buses... Not at all. Underage children. I don't believe a word of it. I, I, would, I would say maybe, maybe a, few youngs, a few youngsters... A few years back, there was a, a, a few busloads of people brought into the village... Now, that was stopped by the local guard, the, end, the drink was taken off of them and everything else, and that was stopped. So there might be a, a few, there might be a few, but you, any place in Ireland you will get that. But is anybody you know? complaining is, about people peeing up against their front door or outside their front window? And the I, they, I've heard nobody complaining. Look, I'm in the older age group myself. Yeah. I've run the post office here for years and years, and we are all, generally speaking, delighted to have this festival. Yeah, yeah. Now, there is a few days and a few nights where there's a bit of noise, the local Garda, there's a good Garda presence there. They keep a good, you know, this, there was nobody arrested. There was nobody picked up this year. Mm. There was nothing mm. like that. Mm. It hasn't been for quite a while. It See, why would I mean, he, he hardly imagined it. He runs a business down there and he'd be shooting he himself runs, in the foot. He doesn't live here. He walks here a day a week. 
He right. has a house. He, he has an apartment here with, with some family members in it. Right. So okay. I'm sure they felt fairly strong about it. It's two nights in the year, you know. And giving Ballady Hub back press over two nights, you know, isn't good enough for me, for a man who's making his living here in Well, it's not so much that it shouldn't have festivals. He talks about the noise, underage drinking, drugs, urinating in public. And he talks about the bad spirit and the lack of community spirit in Ballady Hub, and he is absolutely, totally wrong. He All never... Right ever was involved in a community uh, association of any description, to my knowledge. There's lots of organisations, there's a community hall, there's the community associate, the community council, there's the tidy towns, there's lots of lots of organisations. I've never heard him being involved in anything like All that, right. so he so doesn't think, know what he's speaking so about. So you're saying that Wayne, if he wants to make it better, get involved, is it? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Okay, so you got the jazz festival, you have the country and western festival, you have the folk festival, and then you got a big summer festival. Uh, sounds as if it's a very, very busy, small village right across the summer, but everybody's happy. Everybody is happy. It brings in a bit of revenue to everybody. All right. We have a lovely time. The streets are safe. You could walk through the streets of Ballady Hub any time of the day or night. No, you would have trouble walking through it in the Jazz Festival because there would be a lot of people around. But there has never been any issues with any danger in Ballady Hub. Thank you for picking up the phone, Bridie. Postmaster in Ballady Hub. Uh, with regards to some texts to 0868104106, uh, horses are a huge export to France every year for the menu. We send, as well, I was talking about the amount of horses that died on racetracks, but somebody's making the point that 6,000 horses are sent every year to France for meat. I read something recently that the French are turning away from eating horse meat. Uh, on foreign food that we import into Ireland, I did this just out of the 9 o'clock news, not overseas, but about eight years ago, we barbecued ostrich burgers from Lidl. Ostrich, yeah, I've had them. They're, they're actually nice. There's not a bother there. We were talking earlier on this morning about wacky things that people eat as to whether or not you'd ever eat the chicken's feet. Uh, there's nothing more wacky and disgusting, Neil, than tripe and drachine. The crap we used to eat when we were young, when I think back at it, says Curon. You know something? The amount of times that I've tried to eat tripe and drachine, I've actually had it on forks and spoons and very close to my mouth, and every time I funk it. Uh, when Lidl bring the escargos into stock and place them near my favourite shellfish, I refuse to go inside the door. Says <laughs> Eilish from Waterford. Uh, I had snake. It tastes just like chicken. Snake. Might be a bit, would it be a little bit tougher if I remember correctly? I had it in Vietnam or Cambodia some years back. It's a bit tougher, isn't it? Um, and then one of the things I mentioned is families getting into debt because of Holy Communion. And there was a report in the Echo this morning saying that some families are going to credit unions for a loan, but others, unfortunately, are being driven into the arms of illegal high-interest moneylenders. And sometimes the bill for a Holy Communion can be €3,000. I don't understand why it's that high, unless there are limos and carriages or changes of clothes or big events or a lot of socialising or bringing in party planners or taking over a restaurant. I don't know. But uh, somebody says, if you're going to borrow up to three grand for a Holy Communion, then I'm sorry, that's your own stupidity. The reason it's three grand for some people is it's only one-upmanship. You know, you have to do better than everyone else. You could go to penny dinners or online for a pre-worn dress. Wear your best clothes and have the party at home. Job done. Uh, thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Went to Ballady Hub for the for Ballady Hub Jazz for a look. 
the village is too small for the crowd traffic was brutal another person says anytime there's a problem down that part of West Cork the people who are most upset don't seem to have a West Cork accent I wonder is it because the locals can't afford to live there so keep those texts coming text 0868 104 106 we go back to our phone lines Frank good morning Good morning, Neil. I was told all about you on my Instagram page, actually, a few weeks back. You'd been listening to the show back uh, the back end of April, wasn't it? And I was talking That's to right. Rob, Rob O'Driscoll's from Cork, but he's living in Switzerland, working in an Irish bar there in the hotel, right? Yeah, yeah. And it piqued, it piqued your interest. Why? Well, it, it didn't. It just caught my ear. I had the radio on in the background as I was getting ready for my motorcycle trip. And I'd been planning it for months. I had the radio on that morning, as I normally do, listening to your show. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I heard Rob talking about comparing life in Switzerland and life in Cork. And one of the things he mentioned, you said to him, and can you, you you asked him about the Reichenbach Falls. That's the uh, connection to Sherlock Holmes. That's correct. Sherlock Holmes is supposed to have plunged to his death. Himself from the and Moriarty right. had a Barney at the top of the falls and fell in or something, was it? That's right. Okay. And and because of public opinion, public controversy, uh, Conan Doyle resurrected him three years later. <laughs> That's right. From yeah. back from the dead. A bit like Bobby Ewing in the shower kind of thing. That's the, exactly. You have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's anyway, right next to where that's right next to where Rob works. So go on, yeah. Yeah, you said to. Him, you said something to him and he said, oh, I'm actually looking at it now from my hotel room, from the from a room in the hotel. I can see the falls. So I had left Cork that night, half two in the morning, headed for Rosslare, landed in Bilbao and made my way across northern Spain into Andorra. What, what, across, are, you, what are you riding, though? Uh, I've an Indian, an Indian scout. Oh my God! They, they made a film about that bike. That's right, the fastest Indian in the world. I oh, think it was. They're rare yeah. enough, I'd say. Are they, Frank? Uh, they're kind of rare in Ireland. I'd the say Indian they'd be more, scale. yeah, more uh, American bike. You know, like it, the Harley. What kind of CCs are we talking about? Uh, Eleven thirty. Right, so you're not going to be short of poke as you go on your travels. So you were going on a road trip anyway and started in Cork and went to Rosslare and ended up in France. Go on. Yeah, across France, got as far as Switzerland and on my second day in Switzerland, I passed through this large village, small town of Meiringen and a beautifully situated town. And as I drove up the main street, I was... I noticed out of the corner of my eye a waterfall. These these villages, towns, they're set in, they're nestled into mountainous regions, and you've got beautiful snow-capped mountains all around. Yeah. And I noticed this waterfall out of the corner of my eye. I carried on slowly, and as I got was approaching the end of the village, the town, I thought, I don't know, should I go back and take a, a, a photograph? And I was, it was 50-50. And at the very last moment, I swung around, went back and parked outside a hotel opposite the waterfall. And as I parked, I noticed two guys standing five paces away from me. And above their heads was this sign, Irish Bar. 
and all of a sudden things started clicking into position and I thought of the man you had been talking to, I'd, I'd forgotten his name, I didn't know his name, Robert O'Driscoll. And uh, the guys, we were kind of eyeing each other suspiciously and I said to them, Irish bar. And they said, not until five o'clock. Because <laughs> they said, not until five. So I still, I, I sat there kind of a bit, how am I going to approach these guys and ask about the Irishman? And they looked at me in a similar regard. And all of a sudden, one of the guys looked at my ridge on the bike and he just said, radio? <laughs> and I said, yes, radio. <laughs> and it all kicked off from there. All was the it Rob like, you were talking to? No, it was Boris and Maurice, <laughs> who were the co-owners of the pub, which is joined on to the hotel, which is owned by Maurice. So the, the, you've got Maurice and Boris, who owns so, the bar. And I just became a celebrity all of a sudden. So the, you ended up at the Park Hotel de Sauvage, eh, at the Green Harp Irish Bar in Meringen, Switzerland, where Rob indeed. O'Driscoll is the governor. But you hadn't planned it. Oh, absolutely not. All I was interested was getting a picture of the Reichenbach Falls. <laughs> But the, the, your show had been, you know, it was. I, I didn't forget him mentioning it because I'd researched my trip and one of the places that I thought I might have a look at something particularly was Reichenbach Falls because it was mentioned in my guidebook. Did for, you for stay? So did you stay for a while? Well, what happened was they took, they, they, they took first of all, I was hauled off the bike... <laughs> They took photographs outside the pub and Boris got on to Robert and he said, where are you? And Robert said, two minutes away. Get in here fast, he said. And then I was brought into the pub. Boris said, do you want a pint? I said, no, I'd, I'd love it, just a, a bottle of water. <laughs> so he gave me a bottle of water, Jeepers. a bar of chocolate. <laughs> then he said, will you have a cup of Barry's tea? And I said, oh God, I'd love it. And he brought me out. He was flashing a box, proudly flashing a, bro a box of Barry's tea. And he brought me out a cup of warm water. And I said, Boris, that's no good at no all. No good at he all. Said, What's wrong? I said, that has to be boiling. So he went away. Now, this is the guy who owns the bear. He went away and boiled it, came back with the... Oh, it was a beautiful cup of Barry's. The next thing was, he gave me a pint of Guinness and on the head of it was the picture that they had taken outside the bar. <laughs> they, were, they had a printer in the bar which could print the photograph. <laughs> so this would be the me, photograph of you with the lads at the yeah. bike, which they sent to me on Instagram, right? Did they? They did. did. They? Yeah. Oh, they did, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right, they did. He gave me a woolly hat with the green harp on it, or the, 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 the green harp bar. And a T-shirt. And the next thing, Rob walked in with Matteo. Now, I'd never seen Rob before, but Matteo was vaguely familiar. And it transpired later that I had worked with Matteo in GSK in Ring of Skiddy while he was laying an epoxy floor with Robert. <laughs> but Matteo has a distinctive face and hairstyle, and he's the kind of guy you will never forget. <laughs>
You know, a lovely guy. But the four guys that day were absolutely fantastic guys. They talked about your show, which they listen to regularly on the <laughs> podcast. And the whole point of... I'll get, get on to the whole point in a second. But um, did Maurice, the owner of the hotel, said, where are you heading for? And I told him. And Boris said, you won't make it because the pass is closed due to melting snows. So he went away and started... He took my map and started rerouting me. And Maurice said, where are you staying tonight? And I said, i got to push on, Maurice. I have, I've got to make up a bit of time, because it had been a slow day, going through villages after villages and roundabouts and God knows what. So Maurice said, I'd like you to stay here tonight. Ah, that's lovely. Now, this, was, this is a hotel at the top end. And I said, Maurice, I, I must decline your offer. And he said, look, I'm giving you an opportunity. You should take it. <laughs> and I've always said carpe diem. So I said, Maurice, I'd be honoured. Uh. And I accepted his offer. He gave me a room overlooking the Reichen Backfalls. Oh, man. It was luxurious, to say the very least. This is amazing. Oh, oh it's an amazing, amazing hotel. Hang on there a it, second. Hang on there okay. a second, because I got Robert on line one. Robert, good morning. Uh, How's it going? Hi, Frank. How's it going, mate? <laughs> Hi, Robert. <laughs> you gave this guy the royal treatment, pal, the rebel oh, treatment. I tell you, Neil, what a story. Sorry, no, Frank. I actually didn't know you were going to go on, but Kevin, the producer, just phoned me there and said you were going to be on. Yeah. Oh, what, yeah. what a story, Neil. Like, what an Isn't it amazing story, how things work out uh, like that? When, when it's based it was, on a week. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was sorry, just Frank. a remarkable coincidence. Uh, unbelievable, because I had made up my mind to carry on and at the last second did I'll a 50 go back and take a photograph. My God. And but of all the times to stop my bike was when the two guys were outside the Harp Bar. And the he, main Harp Bar. he ended up staying five star like the royal treatment in fairness, Robert. Absolutely. I tell you know, he came down to the bar that night. He had his grub. He had a pint. And I said, Frank, you don't have to pay for nothing. He was like, oh, I feel like a, a typical South If it was an outsider, they'd bite the hand off, yeah? <laughs> but the South Sider, what? But the South Sider wanted to pay for something. So I said, Frank, we'll sit down and the two of us had a point to Guinness together. Oh, so this whole God. trip cost 19 euros. Way. Yeah. How do you mean 19 euro? Where did that come from? That's where the that two points to Guinness. The two points to Guinness. And I, I, yeah, there was something else thrown in as well. Uh, you know, like, an average outsider, if it was all on the house, you'd have closer to eight or ten pints again. Us. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Neil, I tell you, like outside of our story and Frank coming over here, but what an achievement, what a trip to make. And I, I'm not going to say you're an old man, Frank, but you're not getting any younger. And to do it on your own is absolutely <clears throat> yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I know yeah. some people who won't get the bus to all on their own, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and for to, to do that trip on a motorcycle across Europe on his own, that's, that's Robert, amazing. Robert, thank you for looking after him, you and the gang, as much as you did. No problem, but any time at all. Great Cork hospitality in Switzerland, in fairness. Oh, of course, of course, man. All right, OK. So were the Rickenbacker st- Falls astonishing then, Frank, yeah? They were... I'm glad I saw them. They weren't the best waterfall I ever saw. <laughs> But I'm glad I saw, and the setting is incredible. <laughs> but the town. Sorry about that, Frank. Yeah, I say That's Robert will right. be sending you a bill for the Guinness now. <laughs> I already paid that. That's the only bill I did pay. <laughs> you'll be getting. You'll, get, you'll be getting an invoice from the hotel. <laughs> Neil, 
Yeah. The whole point, uh, the, the, one of the major things was the lads want you over in Moiringen, okay? <laughs> now, no, I think that what they're actually looking for is for you to do a show from the dining room <laughs> in this fabulous hotel. Now, I have a letter here f- yeah. for Neil from <laughs> the guys in Moiringen. I haven't opened it. It's addressed to Neil and the team, and I'll deliver it out to you. All right. But I got, I got to just tell you, this hotel. Excuse me now. Excuse me now. Is the hotel and Irish bar going to pick up the entire tab for me travelling over there and bringing a team with me? I can't comment uh, on that. Let, let me get on to the financial department there, with Danny and Neil. Um, I, I get back on to you. I tell, I tell you what I'll do. I'll borrow your bike, Frank. I'll borrow the um, the Indian, and I'll travel out there on oh, the what bike. What a bike! What a bike! <laughs> Anyway, listen, uh, who knows? We don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, nor the next day. We'll see if that could happen. I don't know. Absolutely. Neil. Any time, any, anyone from Cork, just like some Cork to Zurich, yeah. you're all welcome to come out and have a great time. It's absolutely stunning here, as Frank will tell you. you know? uh, lovely. Thanks for sharing the photographs, actually, Robert. They looked fabulous. Uh, that was Boris. Boris sent those, aren't you there? <laughs> I'm not in control of the, the social media, because I'm not, I'm not really good with that kind of stuff, you know? And listen, if people come into you and you have Barry's tea, make sure they boil the water, will you? I know, I'll have to get on. We'll have to have a training day. We'll have to have a training day. <laughs> All right, well, listen, don't be a stranger, Robert. Stay in touch, stay uh, listening. Absolutely, Neil. And Frank, thanks, thanks for saying such lovely things, bye, and we'll see you soon, bye. And just turn, up, just turn up the pressure on the waterfall a little bit, will you, Robert? It, Neil, it's, it's actually... I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at it again, and it's buzzing now at the moment. All right, okay. Yeah. All right, man. Well done. Thanks so much. Nice talking to you again, Robert. Great trip, Frank. Where did you head afterwards? I'm kind of out of time, but did you continue on after Switzerland? Oh, I did. Liechtenstein, back into France, uh, the Black Forest in Germany. God almighty. Luxembourg, France, and I ended up in the most beautiful place of all where my heart is, is Mont Saint-Michel. Oh, Mont Saint-Michel is gorgeous. You must have had a a fairly sore butt when you got back to Cork, though, did you? Do you know what? The, one of the most wonderful things was coming in. I got the ferry from Roscoff into Cork and I passed. It was so beautiful coming into Cork. The sun was shining. I saw the sun coming up that morning from the ship. I saw the naval dockyard. I saw Carlisle and Camden. And I, I'm getting goosebumps now. Remind and boy. I go swimming daily in Corabini and I saw the spot where I swim from, from the ship from a different perspective and it was just wonderful to come home that harbour is just amazing yeah but yeah. it was something that I had to do I always travel with my great friend and brother-in-law John Toomey and unfortunately this year he couldn't make the trip but he deserves a mention but maybe I'll do it again with John uh, hopefully God is yeah. good boy but please the don't hotel, let it happen yeah. Neil this hotel it's like something from the nineteen the the nineteenth century Vienna in its grandeur. Sounds amazing. It's splendid. Sounds amazing. And it's just man, you've got to go there. Enough said. You've sold me on it, Frank. Thanks for ter- sharing your story. A wonderful, wonderful story, bringing you all the way to Park Hotel de Sauvage and the Irish Bar, the Green Harp. And into, not literally, but into the arms of Robert O'Triscoll oh. and the crew. Look after yourself, Frank. Cheers, my man. 
Thank you very much. Take care, brother. Take care. Text 0868104106. Super trip. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now. Neil Show, Red FM. I'll be doing the first bunch of Monday Munchie shoutouts in about 10, 12 minutes' time. So if you would like to win a massive uh, box of delicious donuts from Offbeat Donuts, creating circles of obsessions and making magic moments in their store on French Church Street, you will get, if you're lucky enough to win for you and your workmates, things like apple crumble donut. I'd love that. I loves an apple crumble myself with hot custard. Or maybe vanilla ice cream. Or maybe an apple crumble donut. Uh, vegan chocolate ganache, peanut butter cup, Boston cream, offbeat jams, and many, many more. So depending on the size of the business, this could be five boxes of donuts. That's like 60 donuts, and you share them with all your workmates then and all of your colleagues or other businesses. All right, so tell us who you are and where you are, and most importantly, why you and your colleagues deserve this Monday lunchtime treat. So text 0868104106. And don't forget, with the great weather as well, right across this week, we have uh, 50 euro vouchers, four of them every day, for Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr. And on Friday, a super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill barbecue. If you were to buy this beast, it would cost you €1,900. But we're giving it away uh, on Friday morning's programme. So you're listening every day for a very, for a varying different everyday famous person who's literally behind the barbecue cooking away to their heart's content. So it's a famous celeb. Don't call just yet, but here's Monday's celeb that you need to identify. I love to cook, and I learned to cook from my mom and my grandmas and my aunts and my sisters. We all get together and compare recipes. Yeah, Jolene was there, Applejack, and lots of other people like that. So we'll play that one more time between now and 10 to midday. With regards to the story involving Ballady Hob, small little village in West Cork with lots of big festivals. Um, The traffic is a nightmare. The village is too narrow. Cars get stuck for ages trying to get through. Uh, People aren't telling the truth when they speak to you about there being no drugs or alcohol abuse. Morning, I'm listening to the Ballady Hob locals this morning on the air. I'm fortunate enough to have another house in Ballady Hob. Neil, the locals of Ballady Hob are the nicest, caring, most wonderful, welcoming people you could imagine. They go out of their way every year to create these various festivals to bring revenue and joy into the town. For such a small town, it has the best festivals. Myself and my family attend all of these festivals for the atmosphere and the fun that's to be had. My sons have kids, Neil, who look forward to these festivals and I've never seen any of the sort of behaviour like over-drinking or missing on the streets or urinating. People respect that town very well and I just wanted to say well done to the people of Ballardy Hob because of something that myself and my family and friends look forward to every year. People shouldn't be bashing Ballardy Hob here as the community is just amazing. Well, this started earlier on this morning with Wayne Lloyd, the hairdresser who lives down there and says... Um, that it's just not good enough to carry on, particularly at the recent jazz festival. He's entitled to his opinion, but many people don't agree. I have two friends living on the main street, and I can tell you they hate the festival. Their lives are a misery. Campers turn up days before the festival starts, and they stay for days afterwards. People who think otherwise are truly deluded. 
Morning, Wayne's pathetic comments show just how clueless and disconnected he is when it comes to our community in West Cork. He is talking about community spirit when the right thing to do would have been to talk to the festival organisers instead of bad-mouthing our hard-working volunteers on radio. It is genuinely hurting them and they deserve better than that. He thinks community spirit is gone. He obviously hasn't even tried to find it as it's absolutely everywhere and you can't really escape it if you tried. When has he ever actively helped out with anything? He does not even live there. He has nothing to do with the community outside of his business. We have a wonderful community with great people and we're proud of everything we achieve. We might not get everything right, but at least we work hard and we try. The Jazz Festival provides many of the small businesses, artists, musicians, vital income. We cannot afford to lose this. Nobody denies that there are small problems, but only by working together as a community can these problems be resolved. The whinging and the whining helps no one using ridiculous and damaging outbursts as free advertising for business at the cost of the community is simply detestable. We have lots of wonderful, happy, friendly places in our village where you can pop in for a cuppa. We don't need this kind of narrative. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I'll allow most of that go, if you like, but I would take umbrage to you saying that, that um, he may have been driven um, by free advertising for his hairdressing business. I don't believe that for a moment. You may not agree with them, but it is his interpretation um, of how he see, sees things in Ballardy Hop, particularly in the recent jazz festival, although you clearly don't agree. When you were talking about the pubs and the clubs being gone from a Neil, it was like as if you were talking about my own hometown of Skibbereen. So thank you for that text as well. Text 0868104106. Remember earlier this morning, I don't want to keep Mary Carmody, uh, Carmody the nutritionist, too long. Do you remember this morning I was talking about the different stories in the newspapers and I kind of went off on a bit of a, a rant with regards to fruit and vegetables, the amount of stuff that we're actually importing from overseas. It would break your heart, actually. I was saying 65,000 tonnes of apples. This is every year. 30, 38,500 tonnes of onions, 25,000 tonnes of cabbages, 20,000 tonnes of carrots, 75,000 tonnes of potatoes, all imported into Ireland. On top of that, of course, and whether you agree or disagree with the Green Party, you've got the wood chip coming from Brazil, you have the peat now coming from Latvia as we closed our bogs and you have briquettes coming from Germany. Everything's coming in here. Why aren't we sustainable in our own way? I mentioned all of that and I bring it up again because in part of the article, they do talk to Mary Carmody, the Cork nutritionist, and she joins me by phone. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm grand and, and I know you stepped out for me and I do appreciate that. How, how, does the, how did this get to happen that 1% of Irish farms are growing veg? Well, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that um, we um, had a local market here beside us in, in Carrigaline and I go to the farmers markets in Cork all the time, especially the Ma- Mahan Point market. And you can't taste anything nicer than the veg that, that, that come from these markets. In fact, last week I ordered, a lady dropped it to our door, beautiful um, lettuce because I had tried to get the lettuce in the supermarkets and it was it was grand, tasteless. And I bought four uh, heads of lettuce the other day. I had planned to give some away, but I was saying it's so beautiful and so fresh. The carrots, you can nearly taste the ground from them, you know. I don't know. It's awful because they're just saying to us how... um, you know, especially the the local one here, how it's it's just not paying them to supply anymore. Is that I what the farmers so. is that what the farmers are saying that their scale isn't big enough? Is it? 
I, I, I really wouldn't know an awful lot about the farmers, only that, you know, that, it, that it's definitely the people, I, they feel, I, the farmers I'd be taught, or the suppliers I'm talking to, feel that, I suppose, the supermarkets, everyone's just going to the supermarkets. Look, Neil, it does take a little bit of effort. This is what I'm doing, mm. talking to people and in the companies the whole time. We're trying to get people to empower their own health and just really, you know, feel, look at the difference. You know, I've uh, there was a, a girl I know, she's a friend of mine, used to live down in Cork before, and when she moved back to the Midlands, she said the one thing she missed was the carrots down here because they were just so tasty and so beautiful. And, and, but she's buying from farmer's markets, though. The best Farmers stuff, markets, yeah. or you even in the supermarkets, you can get the local in the front of the supermarkets. You can get the uh, the carrots with the carrot stalks or the leaves and everything on them. At, you know, at certain times of the years, so it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter um, where you're getting them. I suppose the thing, the main thing, really, is that I'm, I, I suppose nutritionally, I'm talking about. Why are we bringing it all in and with the packaging and the plastic, which is affecting hormones, you know, and you're all this. It's not it's better to have the fruit and vegetables when they're nutrient dense and rich at the time. So when they're, picked, so you know, they're, so if they're traveling from overseas and God knows from how far distant countries they're coming from, they're not fresh. So they're losing their taste and their nutritional value by the time they get here, are they? Absolutely, absolutely. I picked up an orange there recently. I was, in, I was somebody brought oranges or something. I picked up one of the oranges. I taste it. There's waste of my time to be actually eating it. The the difference. There's no like. There's no value in them. And we need our we we need our um fruit, our vegetables for our vitamin C, all our vitamins, our antioxidants, the fiber. You know, they're just it's just just so crucial. I mean, I the other day there um before I went in to do a talk in a company, I picked up my local veg that yeah. come and I just picked up something like so simple as carrots, leeks, onions, garlic. Yeah. Now everything mightn't be from well, it was from the, the market yeah. and, and the and put this together and left it stew away in the slow cooker and when I came back in, whizzed it up and the taste it was yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Oh, sure. Fresh is best know? and natural and organic. It's actually, you know, without wanting to you know, the hog that I'm not, I was away there for a couple of weeks and I was in Corfu and I was down in Crete and uh, Jesus, the oranges were unbelievable. I've never tasted oranges like them. Uh, and I'm sure that we import oranges from countries like that. But by the time we get them here, they don't taste anything like at source, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it. And I mean, you know, the lovely, I keep saying at the end of this month now, we'll have the lovely fresh, all the berries and everything being seasoned. But at the moment, the cabbage, the broccoli, the onions are always there. You know, the leeks, the, the fresh leaves, the leaves are stunning, beautiful leaves now. And, and, and we're looking at them in packets again, and they're just going, you know, they're going all funny in the packets. I, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. But I suppose, yes, the orange is coming in. When you're abroad, you, you could sit down and just totally. dream as Did you, you see the article in the mail today that you're part of? Because it talks with different farmers. There's a farmers from down around Maharis, right, down the peninsula way. Uh, and he said that he has quit um, and has sowed his final field, he said. Last year I planted carrots, parsnips, beetroot, spinach, cauliflower and broccoli. The season was good, but it was a struggle to sell what I had. That's me done now after 27 years, he says. He just can't afford um, to compete anymore with below-cost selling by supermarkets, he was saying. 
I know, I know. And that is, this is exactly what I'm hearing, you know, as well at my front door, even from, from the local farmers. It's, it's just, it is, it is so sad. And, and again, is it back to, you know, and I suppose the first thing I think about is gut health, you know, how much we need these, these, the nutrients for, for our gut and our powerhouse, really, what, what, what keeps us going. It, it is just that I don't know what's happening. I mean, I just feel. Oh, still there, Mary? Oh, I seem to have lost the line. I think she was going to talk a little bit more about the importance of vitamin D and vitamin C and that the stuff that's coming into Ireland, of course, is old. By the time we get to it, a lot of the value of that nutritional information, sorry, that nutritional value has been um, whittled away or watered down because of the age of it. But I'm curious as to why farmers have moved away. Imagine it probably has to do with the cost that they were being given by the big supermarket chains that you just didn't pay them to grow and also, on top of that, and I'm far from a farmer, but I imagine if there's farmers listening to them, they might agree that the scale of what you would have to grow would be so ginormous that it was just an undertaking that was way too big. I think I lost you there for a second, Mary, but just before I let you go, you wanted to talk about the nutritional value. Are you talking about, is it that the, a lot of the veg, and would that include frozen veg, that there's no value in it? There is. I mean, they always say when it's picked and it's frozen straight away, that's that's fine. It, it is. It is still. It is still good nutritionally. But I suppose overall, I mean, it is just good to get the local, the local grown vegetables to suit us in our own areas. You know, mm. um, one thing actually, Neil, is you know, again, we're always trying to promote a sense of community, and we're trying to get the children educated. I mean, I remember at one stage, you know. Um, the children don't even know where where the veg come from. When we were younger, we were always brought out to pick the blackberries, and we had you know for a day out bringing all the jars, the black currants. Sorry, the black currants. And now people can you know there's so many blackberries and things around. It's a lovely way of getting the children isn't off it? the iPad. It is, isn't it? And, and, you, them out. and you know what? Without being a doom and gloom merchant, people are getting heavier. They're getting fatter. They're getting more obese. The stats now are alarming with the amount of obese children. And unfortunately, the vast majority of obese children continue to be overweight and obese as adults. And they're now saying that 90% of Irish adults by 2030, 90% will be overweight. Isn't that alarming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going into companies every day talking about different, talking to the different groups of people, the main workers, the shift workers and everything, and we're looking at managing the blood sugars. That's what it's about, controlling blood sugars. And there is nothing nicer than sitting outside and having a bowl of fresh berries or having some local, you know, your bowl of soup with some homemade brown bread with the macroom mill flour or something. You know, there's nothing like having the real food and you just feel so much better. And I you're know, not but maybe, maybe people can't afford it, girl. Maybe they just need to, they're, 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 they've got a price point that they have to meet and they have to go for the cheaper. Yes, Neil, but you know, a packet of carrots is like, you know, one thirty. Yeah. And yeah. and and onions, I think it's a euro or something. You know, there is a perception. You'll still be paying the money going to the doctor in the long run or go and, and, and not feeling well or missing out and work will have to pay for you to be out sick or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. It's definitely but again it's I think it's back to educating people just to you know, to say like, God, there is a difference in the taste. There is a difference in the taste. You said it your when you went to Spain and tasted those yeah. oranges, yeah. you know. Are, are, are the news buds late this year or what? What's going on? Do you know? 
the new spuds wouldn't be out for another while. Oh. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be out. They wouldn't be out for another. It'd be later in the summer I when have, we put in the Kerrygold. I have to make a confession, though. Um, my wife managed to buy some new potatoes from Garden Goodness in Douglas Court yesterday. Yes. I think yes. they were from down west, though. Maybe they were Castletown Bear new spuds. They were fabulous, yeah. though. They're okay, not the Bally okay. Cottons, but they were damn fine. The Bally Cotton are beautiful, and he's definitely he's at the market every week, and he he has no no new updated dates. Be another why, but the my goodness, at the market they have beautiful veg. They make their own um, kimchi and all the natural foods. There's the uh, rooftop gardens they used to there on the coal key. There's all these Joe's Farm crisps. You know the crisps they do all their own veg. It's beautiful stuff. Um, Good stuff. Accentuate the positive. In Cork. All right. Yeah. Nice one, Mary. Thanks for that. Love to chat with farmers on this, but take care of yourself. Mary Carmody, the nutritionist. I, I often think it's quite, it's quite sad, actually, when you see very, very small children who are overweight. Now, obviously, there could be a clinical reason for that. I understand all of that. But where it's just diet, I think it's very sad when you see very, very small children who clearly have way too much weight on and you wonder about, you know, what are they eating or... Why do their parents allow it? It's none of my business. It's just something you observe. I saw a child on a beach there last week and it was very, very sad to watch because the child would have been no more than maybe, uh, I don't know, 12, 13, maybe maximum 15 months, maybe a year and a half max. And the poor little child was very overweight. Um, and this is just a tiny little toddler. Uh, but it was alarming actually because they the parents had given the child what looked like a mobile phone. It was a mobile phone, so it was held uh, sideways, so you get the bigger screen. And it was, just, if you could see me here now in the studio, the phone was just rammed right up against the child's face, so the child was completely locked into whatever was going on on the phone. But if something happened on the screen or whatever, the child would start screaming at the top of a voice, literally hysterical. Uh, and then the parents would take the phone away, fix it, and give it back to the child again. Uh, I thought it was awfully sad to watch. And then the child's back in, stuck into the screen, only about two inches from her face, literally locked into the screen uh, at that age. Um, again, you, you, you could text her, say to me, mind your own business, got nothing to do with you. And you're probably right. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Interesting text, actually. It's connected to uh, the end of the link between the Christian Brothers and their presence at the North Mon. And there's going to be a special mass to acknowledge the ending of the Christian Brothers' permanent presence at the Mon. I'm reading from this morning's Echo and the Bishop. We'll have a mass at uh, the North Chapel today at half past 11. And retired Christian brothers uh, will join with representatives of the school, past pupils union uh, for that uh, mass this morning. It's starting right now as we speak. Now, the Northman was founded in 1811 and there were 17 students recorded attending that first day of school back in 1811 and it grew and grew and grew up to a 14-acre site. It was given by a wealthy Catholic businessman by the name of George, Sir George Gould Bart. Uh, but apparently in May of 2020 during COVID, um, the last Christian brothers left the residential house at Fairhill and it ended the long and distinguished presence of the Christian brothers on the North Monastery campus. Now, the word distinguished presence is of interest to me when I mentioned that from the Echo article this morning uh, because by text then, somebody who wants to keep things real, uh, Frank says, Past Pupils Union of North Monastery are oblivious, it seems, to the crimes that were committed in that school. At least two brothers that I know 
were criminally convicted from there. Some of the lay teachers were vicious bastards. Thankfully, I didn't suffer sexual abuse, but I know classmates did. Uh, I did suffer physical and mental abuse from a, tic- from a particular lay teacher. I hope you get to read this out for realism. Uh, happy to read that out on your behalf, uh, Frank. And, you know, that should never be forgotten either, that aspect. Text 0868 uh, Talking about not forgetting things, I was just chatting there about, you know, what we grow and what we eat and what have you. And you're probably, and this is connected, incidentally, when I talk about Bus Connect, without drilling into Bus Connect in too much detail. They're rowing back in some of the plans, uh, Bus Connect. It's certainly the more public um, pressure uh, or objections that have been put in place, they tend to buckle somewhat. Uh, now, I don't know what's going to happen with regards to the Douglas Road. They're going to absolutely decimate the Douglas Road. It's real bully boy tactics. They're going to be widening the road and everything by at least, uh, it'll be like 12 metres wide. Loads of trees will go. Old stone walls will go. People's fronts gardens will go. If you're trying to go to the chemist, for instance, you won't be able to park. So forget about that if you're elderly or trying to get about. And it's all to do with having more buses. But recently, and this is connected actually to the food that we grow, because um, as a child, I do remember when we moved to Beaumont, we played an awful lot up around the quarry and what have you. Thankfully, nobody ever fell off or died. All the people did. Um, but when we were up there, it was an amazing playground. Right in the middle of it there, um, behind this massive big wall... I was talking about the wall in Maryborough Woods earlier on. Another one up by Bowman School. It's the old water tower or the reservoir that we actually used to slog apples in there. And I imagine those apple trees probably go all the way back to the Beamish family when they had Bowmount House there because that walled area where the water tower is is part of the old Beamish, the brewer's garden, yeah, which they started in the eight, early 1800s and they grew all their fruit in there and all their vegetables in there. You're wondering where I'm going with this. Well, there is a connection to that and, and Bus Connect. Sean, good morning. How are you, Neil? How are you? So that's just by way of introduction. Correct me if I got anything wrong, but what's the plan with that walled garden now? Um, exact details are not fully available, but they basically turn it into a car park and put some kind of a bus lane on the main road. But it's a road that functions reasonably well. Okay, there's some peak points the Saturday mornings, but they seem to, they get by... And Monday to Friday, the buses travel quite freely. But it all, is, to me, it's this big picture with the transport infrastructure and bus connects. They've come out of Dublin where they've been managed to get Dublin voted the worst city, bar none, in Europe for public transport. And they're now down in this part of the country. It's hard there. to understand Magic. how they have buses and they have the Lewis and they have the Dart The and worst else. in Europe, gone doubt. They got a couple of marks for giving free transport to the pensioners. That's the only score they got. Are you a Beaumont resident, incidentally, Sean? I, I lived there for a while, but I'm familiar with anywhere the TII or this bus connect road seem to come in. It's like, let's take a road that's working reasonably well, like the Corrigan Road, the Wilton Road, the Boring and Manor Road, the Ballin Lock Road, uh, stretches of Ballyfehan. Let's find somewhere and just go in and cause chaos, destroy retail, destroy parking, yeah. hack out as many trees as we can. Yeah. Uh, it's time, I can just tell them to peg off and be, just just go away. And if you have 600 million to burn, give us free bikes and put, for God's sake, a couple of bus shelters. It might encourage people to, to use the bus a bit more. You're actually right there. We just fact-checked your comment there. Dublin has been ranked worst for public transport among 30 European capital cities by Greenpeace based on affordability and simplicity. And you're so. giving this shower 600 million 
to, to cause chaos and carnage and just grief. Residents in Corrine Road having to take judicial reviews. Ballyfee Hand trying to destroy their community. No one, there's plenty of room for cycling anyway. That was actually they put, a plan. They, did put, they put manners on them with the Mangla, though, in fairness, didn't they? They had to back off that fairly sharpish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just move on to the next victim. And they never seem to get anything done in the end. Or if they, if they do, it's just tinkering and little busy, busy little bits that make no real difference or make things worse, mm. which they've managed to do in the city. They mm. seem to have carte blanche in the city centre and you have most of the roads now in the city. Even if you put 100 extra buses in, they can't make the turns. They'll just clog the place up. And tell so me, just, you, you, you also, just before, I want to talk to the historian Kieran McCarthy on this, but you also want to make right. a point as to why it has taken so long to actually complete the pedestrian bridge over the South Link. Yeah, that is an actual game changer. And I've mentioned that to you before, like bring it on and bring build 10 more of them around the city. But it must have been decades in the planning. I remember them talking to Cork County Council 20 years ago about it. So that, And it's not the most advanced piece of engineering. It's basically, in West Kerry, they've done it 100 years ago. They have a couple of standard blocks and two old railway tracks and you can get across a bog outside, outside Dingle. <laughs> not suggesting you know? that. But I think you were saying that the Japanese would build it and open it in the weekend, is it? Yeah, go check on YouTube. So they can they build a train a hospital in twelve hours. They build a, a train station in in, in eighteen hours. <laughs> they get fifteen hundred workers in for forty eight hours, and they build that thing would be up in ten minutes. Well, it's up now, but the ramps to it and the area of yeah. getting up to it aren't yeah. finished. Yet, and so. it is taking millions. <laughs> okay. they're, they're optimistically talking about next August or no, sorry, the autumn. But we're unfortunate. We never seem to have ministers in transport that have any kind of technical know-how. We, with, the, with the last succession, I won't name names, but we have just had a succession of of, of dimwits that have no technical know-how. You know, we need some. I remember Michal Martin said 15 years ago, "I'm going to bring in guys with techie experience into certain areas," and we just get jobbers and and, and political. Nobs. Fair play to you. You're on but, fire uh, this morning, Sean. Look after yourself. Thanks for that. Text from Bobby, the taxi driver, says you can add Dublin Hill to that list. People coming in from the likes of Whitechurch, Carrick Navarra, White's Cross will all have to turn right at the grotto and through Dino's Junction. That's insane. Like, they should almost be going through um, a, a retail setting to get from one road to the other through a big, massive shopping arcade. Um, anyway, says then you'd have to go through Dino's Junction to join the Mallow, Blarney, and Granada traffic. It will be chaos around Blackpool, Dublin Hill as well. So add those to your list this morning, uh, says Bobby, and I have done. Thank you for it. Just so I did mention um, this two-acre Beaumont wall garden, right? It's got the reservoir in there. Uh, and, of course, next to it then you have a, a fabulous pitch and putt club and right across the road you got con and you got beautiful walks. And But originally, right, originally going way, way back, and, and there is one very old black and white photograph online of what stood there next to the wall garden. It was the Beamish home, right? Built in 1780, 1790, there, thereabouts. Um, that's all gone now. But the actual wall garden is all that remains of it because I believe that it was the brewing family's garden where they grew all their vegetables and their fruit and, and what have you. And just with a little bit more insight into that, we have uh, the Cork historian and councillor, Kieran, Kieran McCarthy. Kieran, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you doing? Good. Um, so they want to they want to put 
this was supposed to stay or be restored as a community garden, but now City Council are thinking about giving it to Bus Connect for parking. Is is that what it's about? Yeah, so there was an ongoing campaign by a number of residents in Beaumont um, that were that were kind of connected in with Beaumont Residents Association. So one of those actually appears on the newspaper this morning on the Irish Examiner, Joe Goodyear, who also is involved in uh, the Cork Nature Network and does loads of walks around. You mentioned Beaumont Quarry. And so she's, she also has an emphasis on that as a... And the quarry a actually built many state. of the bigger buildings in Cork, including City Hall and many of our prominent banks on the Mall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the context is that way back in 1792, two lads in their late 20s, one called William Beamish and one called William Crawford, set up a brewery um, within the city. And within 10 years, they were exporting 100,000 barrels of beer and they were multi-millionaires and... Kind of in the in the early 1800s, both of them respectively then actually built big houses for themselves and had their own kind of estates and and they were they were respected merchants from their time. So, Whereas where was uh, Crawford? Was he down around uh, Montanotti or St Luke's or areas like no, that? No, no, Crawford. He he actually had a house called Lakelands. It's now marked by uh, oh, Jacob's yeah, Island. Sorry, you're right. So if you ever if you're ever kind of going into Jacob's Island from Mahan Point, you have to go over a bridge and there's a bit of wasteland there on the left and. Over the years, they've actually found remains of his wine cellar and stuff um, by digging up the land. So I think there's a plan there to put in about a hotel or to do something with the wasteland. So I have a feeling Lakeland will appear over the next few years um, a lot more. And then he had a, actually Crawford actually had, a, had his own ice house. Um, if you ever go into the Mahan Point um, shopping centre cinema entrance on the ground, meal, you'll see there's two lines marked on the ground where there used to be an old... Uh, Ice house and never saw that. Picture, so he was down around Lakelands, yeah, and Beamish yeah, was above and him. He had, a, he had a Crawford built himself three wall gardens, um, and probably way back in the nineteen in the in the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, when Man Point Shopping Centre was constructed, the planning laws were slightly different, so they demolished his three wall gardens. But interesting enough, we have his papers. He wrote. Crawford wrote like articles on horticulture and community gardening and uh, we have his diary as well and actually for, for William Beamish then in uh, in, in Beaumont um, we just have William Beamish's the, the second um, diary and we actually have the I suppose how much land that Beamish actually owned you know, over 5,000 acres of land between Cork and Waterford Incredible uh, and, 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 and there's a few well, we have a few maps of that in the archive so we, we probably have more on what, what happened to Crawford and his family and uh, but yeah two multi-millionaires uh, and what happened with for 100 years what, what happened with Beaumont House then when was it and why was it demolished um, probably from the mid 20th century on was just fell out of use and by the 19 early 1970s disappeared and then that, that, that picture that you see online I think that's actually on the uh, the two schools website and that, that particular old picture um, I mean, I, I've, I, I actually have a walking tour coming up the area actually in June where I kind of show people where here's where the house was and here's what the estate looked like and here's where the roads were. I mean, we've got a really, really gorgeous uh, parkland in Beaumont um, and you can actually, you can overlay old historic maps onto the modern day but um, parkland it, 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 and kind of show but where the, things are. The scale of the house was huge though. It's palatial, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably talking something that has had over 50 rooms like um, we, I mean I think we we, we know more about Lakeland House that it was the size of Lars Mugdron in terms of the size oh, no, and, right. and the maps it was quite yeah I mean look these guys had, had, they had they had so much money from the brewing industry and eventually but I mean like they we, we've 
we, we know the Crawford family, like they gave money towards the observatory in UCC as time went on in the late 19th century. They gave money to the Crawford Art Gallery. They became major philanthropists um, for the city, the Crawfords in particular. And then the Beamishes, I'm kind of still, I'm still digging into. They were, they, they were there trying to support the local population and local fishermen in Black Rock and, and elements like that. Oh, no, undoubtedly they were very good. I, I did read something years ago that they, they like to build these massive palatial homes on high ground. And I read something somewhere, maybe you wrote it, I'm not quite sure who, that said that strategically they were all looking at each other. You know, Lakelands was looking at Ravenscourt and Ravenscourt was looking at Beaumont House. It was like as if you know, who's got the bigger house that strategically they could all see each other. Is there any truth in that? Yeah, possibly. That's what I mean, the, the southeast of the city, I do, do know around kind of Douglas, Black Rock, Mahan, there's at least 50 huge mansions. Um, so if you take like Douglas, like Watchstone Road, Douglas Village, you take Vernon Mount, for example. Vernon Mount and could then, see Ravenscourt, for instance. Ravenscourt could see. Yeah, the, I mean, they all. I suppose they all wanted to face a, a certain prospect, and they wanted they wanted the view of the river and the harbour, and that they had to have status by doing that. And then they had like they had their own winding driveways. I mean, Beaumont House, when you start mapping it out, it's really interesting and in how how winding their driveway was actually all the way up. And I suppose today a little bit of uh, Beaumont Drive kind of takes in some of the old roofs. Um, it's interesting when you kind of. When, when you when you see like Beaumont and a lot of that area, some of the houses there are built in the 1950s, 1960s, and you, you see kind of how the property developers try to negotiate the old history. That, um, oh, listen, tell me about it. My, my parents' home, because m- my mother was one of the founding members of the Beaumont Residents Association, but for years as a child, I would have to go down the road to a big, big house that's now um, a, a care home. Uh, was this? I think it's also called Beaumont House, way, way down the road, but I used to have to go down once a year to pay the land rates to Lord Beaumont's estate in the UK. Oh, I always yeah. found that bizarre, this small little tiny yeah, old-fashioned yeah. book. Why was that? Did they still own the land or something, the Lord yeah, Beaumont? Yeah, they still own the land. I mean, yeah, I mean, even today, there's, there's, there's people who, who maybe might own uh, their own house and are still paying a few euros every year to the city council. And so they're trying to just trying to buy that. So that that's actually there are ongoing discussions of every property finance meeting. The city council is always someone who wants to buy out their uh, their land, I suppose, that their house is actually. But there still on. wouldn't be a, uh, an English connection to the land, would there? Um, that I don't know. I mean, I suppose you're dealing with a history that it's just forgotten about. It's just fallen away. It's only kind of when you kind of start knocking on doors or someone like myself goes out and you you fly our houses or your your canvas and you meet residents who are like, here, can, let me show you this and. You find out some. You you go in with one problem, like in terms of the wall garden or bus connects and boring Manor road, and then you come away with like two or three documents and old pictures. Um, but like, don't you think that yeah, that wall garden would be much better used if it was a community garden and not yeah, a bus connect yeah. car park? I mean, look, I'm one of I was one of the people for over the last two to three years has been campaigning for it and, and, and the residence group were doing really, really well uh, and then the NTA came along so they, the, the, the residence group had gone, got to a point where it was more, more or less signed, sealed and delivered with, with Cork City Council um, and that it was going to be the community garden and then all of a sudden National Transport Authority came along um, and now it's been paused to see what National Transport Authority would like to do with this old wall Do you guys as councillors not have skin in the game here where you can say, yeah, yeah, take yeah, the temperature yeah, here, guys? I, yeah, yeah. I, I raised it at a local area meeting there uh, maybe two months ago and the political will is it, it's to, 
the political will of the majority is actually to support the NTA on, on this one. Oh, yeah, for God's sake. That's heartbreaking, man. Yeah, but look, yeah, I mean, and I suppose there's a sentiment within the local area committee that, um, like, Beaumont Park is a big area, that community gardens can go anywhere within that park. But for me, like, it's an old wall garden. I mean, um, I think it goes back to a point probably, like, Sean made a point that the NTA are coming across as, like, anti-environment, anti-heritage. Like, for me, they come across as very anti-built heritage. Built heritage, and, and, like, you mentioned the old stone walls and Douglas Road and mature trees. There's a tree there from, like, 1780 or 1790. And I'm kind of going, well, look, we really need a better conversation, better communication with the NTA with residents if you're yeah, doing the start of damage and a better compromise. Like, for me, I'm just trying to... I mean, I, I, I flyered Beaumont at the end of, of of last week and spoke to a number of residents just to make them aware of this. But what's what's great is that the residents in Beaumont are are, are up to see speed even before I got. To yeah, they even got six thing. grand to clear the space and put in polytunnels and everything. It's heartbreaking if yeah, you don't yeah. get this. I mean, like, look, I mean, but, I mean, I think Joe Goodyear, who's really spearheading this, um, right. she's giving a, a tour that's starting at seven o'clock tomorrow evening off the old wall garden. And like her plans that she has are, are just really, really impressive. Okay, I might I mean, get an opportunity to maybe chat with her tomorrow if I have time. Can yeah. I just ask you just very, very quickly, because I was in Maryborough Woods yesterday for the first time yesterday. It's astonishing. I'm sure you know quite well everything. Going, yeah. yeah. There's a huge, big, massive, one of the highest walls around some kind of a house, some kind of a walled in estate there that's gone to rack and ruin. What, what was that? Do you know? Like Maryborough Woods Hotel, is it? no. Um, it's it's way it's just adjacent to to Gary Duff, so it would be known as the Maryborough Woods, but a oh, massive Gary Duff Woods, old court woods. Maybe that's what. Yeah, forgive me, I don't know. I was only there for the first time yesterday, but the scale of yeah, it was amazing. There, 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 yeah, yeah, they're the rooms. They're the rooms of uh, old house. Um, Which house? And uh, old court house. Um, so there's a there's a house on a hill. It's it's kind of well, it's a winding driveway that's off. Uh, uh, Fascinating. Caption College side of Rochestown. Um Yeah, I know. I, I, no, I know what you're saying. I, I'd actually had a walking tour of a tour of actually two weeks ago on the uh, there was a, an Irish Civil War battle as well. The Battle of Douglas took place across those woods. So so that old courthouse was an old palatial home belonged to some wealthy people. Then was it? It's, yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's still owned by a, a family who's looking after it. Oh, it's, in, it's in good nick. It's in good nick. And then they had all these kind of. So I mean, I, no, I know what you're talking about actually. For because when I was in Scouts and in Bannalock, we actually went down there and we had we had um, little fires cooking things and, uh, and doing merit. Cooking up sausages on the frying pan or whatever. All right. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was okay. good, yeah, good, good, good times, but. Um, yeah, I mean, but look, we're, we're, we're lucky with all different parts within the city. There's so many different curiosities and all different things that we just need to, to mind and, and, and absolutely, have absolutely. And come back get to people the... get, I mean, look, I've, I've four walking tours coming up in, in July. People, are, they're they're free. They're across the different parts of the city. People are people. People are very very welcome. Would you mind just emailing me those four walking tours if you don't mind, Kieran, and I'll yeah. get them on the air for you if you just yeah. take five minutes and do that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all like, yeah, they're all popular. Look, I I did one around uh, okay. St Patrick's uh, Place and Audley Place there on uh, during the weekend. Okay, get him, get him to me, Neil Neil at redfm.ie. Thanks for now, though. I'm out of time for now, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, the Cork historian. I need to do our Monday munchies before we go, so we're back directly after the break. Hang in there. 
The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Okay, Offbeat Donuts, uh, Monday Munchies, shout-outs for you. Here's just a selection. We love the donuts today. We're very busy bunnies here in the Cork Clinic and we eat some joy in our lives, says Lisa, Sharon, Grace and Emer. Uh, we're Mercy Hospital workers in the IBD Clinic, admin, secretaries and consultants and nurses would love this for the very hard-working staff. Ailish and all of the colleagues in Dairy Gold Accounts Payable would demolish the donuts and get rid of the Monday blues. One or two more. We deserve the donuts because we got devastating news that someone handed in their notice on Friday. I can't tell you who because not everyone knows yet. Says Nia of Classic Drinks in Little Island. She'd have the classic drinks and the donuts going hand in hand. We're an active retirement group called Swells. Seniors with energetic lifestyles. Swells. We meet every Monday morning, half ten to midday. What a treat it would be for us and a great surprise. We've up to 80 members every week in the Cove Community Centre, says Jar. Well, you certainly would scoff a lot of donuts there. Uh, one or two more. My colleagues and I would love the donuts. We're currently off-site, but we'll be back after school. I have seven years of experience in my job, with my job changing five years ago, then two years ago, and nine months ago. I am now the boss of four under sevens. <laughs> We would love these as we had a mad weekend and a mad few weeks with chicken pox. That obviously is from a parent. Uh, talking about their job description. Karen and everybody at the pharmacy department at the South Infirmary um, in the hospital, they'd love to share the donuts. Uh, reason being, they just need sugar. <laughs> and one more. Our cheese, the cheese we produce was one of the top winners over the weekend in the Artisan Cheese Awards in Milton in the UK. And we want to celebrate, says Michelle at Carrigaline Cheese, who just won top winners of the Artisan Cheese Awards in Milton, which I think is an area of the UK well known for its cheese. And also, I think, pork pies. Well done, Michelle and all of you at Carrigaline Cheese. Here's what I'll do. I'll do a deal with you. We'll allow you the Monday Munchie Donuts today if you allow us some of your cheese this award winning cheese that we would have to taste so if you have a deal then Monday Munchies for you and all of the crew courtesy of ourselves and uh, Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it we need four winners now callers 9, 10, 11 and 12 for 50 euro vouchers for Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr we have these vouchers to give away every day and then on Friday and 1,900 euro super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill barbecue. Because it's barbecue season, guys. The week ahead is just going to be great. Well, in Irish terms, great anyway. So 9, 10, 11 and 12, tell me who this famous celeb is who's barbecuing. I love to cook. And I learned to cook from my mom and my grandmas and my aunts and my sisters. We all get together and compare recipes. Yeehaw! Okay, finger licking good. So who is that? Pick up the phone. Callers 9, 10, 11 and 12. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. 50 euro vouchers for Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe. Check it out in Castle Martyr. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.